Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Glad you could make it. The podcast is presented by Elite Archery, EliteArchery.com. And this week's Spotlight Elite Bow would be the Elite Encore. It's the, the new Encore. flagship bow. Eric's shooting this bow. That's right. What color did you go with? I went with the QU. Oh, you did? That's a cool color. Yeah, I'm liking it. it. I'm loving it, man. I need to start shooting it more, that's for sure. But You did pretty good at the shoot. I know. I was dialed in at the shoot. Yeah, I'm ready to I'm get, I'm gonna get that mule deer target put out and just start uh, shooting like 10 arrows every day at least. Like go out with the daughter, shoot. Um, but if you guys are wondering about the lead encore, one, you can use code WCB at EliteArchery.com. Make your order and have the bow shipped to a local dealer. So one, you're getting a bow, but you're also helping your local businesses as well. Uh, the Elite Encore, 6-inch uh, brace height, 33-inch axle-to-axle. Um, it weighs about 4.5 pounds, draw length 23 to 30 inches. And you can get peak weights from uh, 40 to 70 pounds, um, of course, right or left-handed, uh, 340 feet per second. You can pretty much get any color you want. Um, yeah, lots of colors there to choose from. I'm not shooting the Encore, but I'm shooting the Remedy, and I went with a, like a camo pattern again this year just to switch it up. I try to do something different every year when I get a different bow. Yep. Um, but the Elite Encore is a kick-ass bow. Eric's loving it. Ross is also shooting the Encore. That's right. And then uh, we're all shooting something else, but we'll talk about that on another episode. But check out the Elite Encore. Go to a local dealer, shoot it, and if you like it, you can use that code, save a little bit of money, and have it shipped to your local dealer for them to just set it up for you. That's right. In fact, if you're in our area, Ross Bigger is an elite dealer, so you could have something sent to Ross's house and have him set it up for you. Then you can talk about how good his beard looks. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. He puts his hands on it. It's good luck, if you ask me. Yeah, right. I mean, it's... 200 incher makes uh bow tuning magical <laughs> does something weird to it i don't know <laughs> the podcast is also brought to you by spy point uh spy point is known for their cellular trail cameras if you will um and right now they have a sale going on spypoint.com the link micro lte twin v bundle um and you can get two cameras and a hat sd cards all the setup for 249.99 
Uh, the two security boxes too. And the two security boxes. So good luck getting them someday. If you're using it as a like a security camera or I guess for a bear camera, we don't have to worry about that here though. Um or someone trying to steal it. I might have to invest in those. And I got an idea. A listener gave us a good idea for like stickers to put on trail cameras. Like if you don't have a security box, we'll get what? to that. Okay. I think we're going to do it. We have some good ideas. Really? Anyway, uh, Spy Point, uh, they have a ton of cell cams. We've been using the, let me break it down for you because I want to be specific because we've been using the, um, the cell links. The cell links. Thank you. And that just, we have a bunch of just regular trail cams and that links to your trail camera and makes it a cell camera. And we get them, I mean, they're, they're really inexpensive actually. It's, uh, where are they at here? Cell link, fifty nine ninety nine on the, on the website, but you can look for like holiday sales and stuff like that and save yourself like 10, 20 bucks depending. And you can be into a cell cam and you get to use the badass spy point app, which I mm-hmm. love. Yep. And then also you can join as an insider on their app, the um, Spy Point Insiders Club, and they do a bunch of giveaways and stuff like that. You get special pricing on your plans and everything. So nice. um, no code for Spy Point yet. Maybe that's something we can work on. Um, but check out Spy Point. The, they've been great to us. I really like their stuff. Lithium batteries, make sure everything's updated when you put it out, Yep. and that will eliminate a lot of headache with any cell camera that you use. <clears throat> uh, the podcast also brought to you by Rogue Ridge. This is going to officially be the Spy Point deployment vehicle that's right that's what i'm gonna start calling mine because i need to get a like a milk crate put on the back and there put you all go. my spy points in there and and just zip I, through i got the basket bro yeah you do have yeah the you're, you're good to go <laughs> yep i think i'm i'm too reckless on mine that i think everything's gonna fall out of it when i'm like trying to haul ass but a couple bungee straps you'll be all right a couple bungee straps ready to go <laughs> uh they are awesome i got mine fully charged for the weekend because i plan on riding mine around this we're recording these right before fourth of july weekend so yep buzzing around watching fireworks getting all rowdy i'm not gonna drink a beer and then ride it but i might have After to while i ride Curtis, it. it's illegal <laughs> is, it, is it illegal i don't know no it's not it's, it's, as long as you're not on public road you know it's county roads public road no yeah it's not what yeah, no, it's it's not. Not. <laughs> i'm not gonna I, I, hey i would never i was just kidding that's a joke guys roguerage.com i'm waiting for it to dry up a little bit we got a shitload of rain Last couple of weeks. I know, it's good. And I need to go check my camera. It's man. fitting for this episode that we're going to get into it here. Um, but no, Rogue Ridge is awesome, man. And they are expensive, yes, but it's one of those things. A lot of people can't get a four-wheeler in certain spots. And Mm-mm. if you hunt by yourself and have a long drive, like I can't have a four-wheeler or any type of like ATV vehicle at all on the main property I hunt. Mm-hmm. So this, I can get down, slip in, save me a lot of walking. Scent trail. There's no scent trail. None of that. Um, but also you can double down and use scent crusher That's to right. kind of back that up. Double and, down. I mean, honestly, you use scent crusher on your clothes. Like if you use a rapid mobile shower or pull your your clothes out of a gear bag and then get on a rogue ridge, you're not as sweaty. Run those yep. don't go on the way there, unless you're going in X Games mode the whole way. But if, <laughs> if you just if you just cruise through, you got that cool breeze from hauling ass in the rogue ridge. And, and we all know we're too fat to just pedal all the way in there. Oh, we're fat. <laughs> we are getting fat. just fat and out of shape. <laughs> that electric motor's getting work, and that scent crusher's working overtime. That's right. <laughs> it's like anything we use, any products that work with the podcast, like we're using them to the fullest extent. Like we're pushing the limits of these products. Oh yeah, mostly because we're fat. Um, <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> it's not my fault at all. Shout out to Sun Crusher. By the way, did you see the room clean in the bathroom here in the I studio? Did. I did. Yeah, I got you guys back. So about to run that. 
<laughs> about to get in there. <laughs> um, the podcast also brought to you by Old Barn Taxidermy. Uh, be thinking about if you're if you're confident going into this season, you should be thinking about where you're going to go for your taxidermy. Mm-hmm. It's a cocky move, but Old I Barn like Taxidermy it. is probably the place you should go. Um, I would. It is the place you should go. Yeah. If you live further away and your taxidermist doesn't use Old Barn Taxidermy for their tannery, which they might already, and you might not know. Um, because a lot of taxidermists send their hides to Old Barn for their tannery. That's right. Um, but if they don't, and they're maybe your taxidermist is frustrated with like tanning his own hides, he's like, I'd rather do more mounting and less of that work. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk to him about sending out everything to Old Barn Taxidermy. Um, but we'll see. I imagine we'll probably do some sort of giveaway again for working class listeners this this fall. Um, last year, if you took a deer in there and said, Hey, heard about it on Working Class Bow Hunter, and you get put in for an entry for a free mount at the end of the season. And remember too, like uh, if you're not close to the area, they have a lot of drop-off points too. I, including me. I yep. am a drop-off. I w- maybe thinking about trying to see if we can move the drop-off to the studio. That'd I, be sweet. I don't know. We can figure it out. We'll mm-hmm. have to see. We, we might have room. Maybe. We'll figure it out. It'd be easier to since right in town. It would be easier, yeah. And it's not far off the interstate. So if someone's like within an hour away and they're like, hey, I just want to get there, we, mm-hmm. can, we can make it work. We'll, we'll figure that out. We'll keep everybody updated on that. Um, and Douglas, I think you have a veteran shout-out, don't you? I do. We need a jingle. Yeah, we, we should make one. <laughs> we could make I one. I can't think of that. Right. We, we could get with Chris from HHA USA and like make a jingle. It'd be kind of cool. Maybe we'll just get Scott to sing like a jingle for us and send it to us. Oh, God. We get Scott to sing the national anthem. <laughs> That'd be actually really, that'd be really funny because it's Scott. Yeah. I doubt he's got pipes on him, but. Hey, you never know. He could. I don't know. For how good looking he is, he might have pipes on him. You got to, like, you have to have a fault somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> you like, think? Yeah, you can't be good at everything. When you see a hot chick, you're like, something's wrong with her. Right. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this best shout out is brought to you by HHA, oh, Operation HHA USA. And you can submit them by going to workingclassbowhunter.com. You'll see the best shout out there and it will go straight to me. Uh, this was submitted by Brent Carr, and the veteran is actually himself, Brent Carr. He's in the U.S. Army. Says, more than a decade in the National Guard overseas deployment, multiple missions stateside, CH-47 mechanic and flight engineer. Damn. He's a firefighter on the civilian side, too. So oh, very cool. He does it all. Says, almost a decade of hunting in Ohio, four years of bow hunting, dabbles in turkey hunting occasionally. He's not full in, but which is, I don't blame him. Mm, yeah but very cool man that's yeah. a busy guy thank you for spending that bren and uh thank you for your service yeah thank you for your service man. man and uh and your service as a firefighter that's pretty yeah. awesome super thankful for that as well like you you not only are a red-blooded american on the military side but you're like i'm gonna be even more red-blooded and be a volunteer i'm gonna go fuck up some fires i was gonna say volunteer firefighter but he might be a full-time firefighter i don't know could be which is awesome either way either it's way it's ass. pretty badass and i don't have the stones for that no. I, I wish i did but I hear some of the stories that I work with a bunch of firefighters, and I'm just like, man, I, I, I appreciate what you guys do, yeah. but I couldn't do it. Um, I just don't have the balls, honestly. I, want, I, don't, I don't like fires anyway, so. It's something I want to do. But, I mean, <laughs> it's the other stuff that you deal with, you know, yeah, just like right. helping people, which is great. I mean, I'm sure it makes some guys feel good, but that's cool. So, But thanks for your service, brother. And uh, let's get to the episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Chase Ralston with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, 
I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. It's really, really not that good. Welcome to the Working Class Bow Hunter, episode four hundred and fifty-eight. We are getting up there. We Austin brought it up before we started recording. We need to think about episode five hundred, and it should be a big one. It's going to be a big one. So if you guys have ideas. Throw ideas at us. In the studio right now, myself, Kurt Geyer. Doug Schmidt. Eric Common, Austin Chandler. Joe Humphreys. Daryl Cherry. Big time in the house. In the, the hell. This is the whole team. The entire crew right here. The Holy Grail. That's All both of us. Of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought you were saying we're part of the team. Well, well, we are. We are. We're we're on the working class team, which is represented with big time partners. We are partners, yeah. First of all, thank you for your partnership for sure, Um, and it's been great the last couple years. You've been you've been making some frequent appearances lately, Joseph. Yeah, I keep on popping up. Like this time, I literally was just the Uber driver for Daryl, and I wanted to come (laughs) have an old fashioned. So, I mean, it worked out. So, well, you got thrown right into it. So, no, we do appreciate it, man. Uh, First of all, thank you guys for title sponsoring the shoot. Yeah. Everyone left with some sort of big time product. Um, Dude, that, that was a ball. It was it was the perfect day, and I'm bummed that we announced the new dates. I, I planned it for the same weekend, and I'd realized after like the new dates got announced, it's your daughter's birthday. Yeah, he texted me that he goes June 11th, dude. We're doing it again. I'm like, won't be there. I'll have representation. <laughs> so I'm kind of sorry, like, bro. Get Jackson. Make sure Jake Power shows up again though, too. Oh well, I mean, we could have Everly's. <laughs> second birthday at the shoot mm. i'll bring my daughter no, see, my that's wife, what i'm thinking you my just gotta get her so that. yeah just get her so into it that yep. she's just got to go to the shoot every hey day. i, I, I got an shooting now so <laughs> why can we have a couple bounce houses for the kids and like the water slide and all that there turn to a damn carnival i don't know, that, okay I don't know that. that i'm sleeping in a tent in your yard though oh we got the studio <laughs> you stay at the studio the, the studio was full that's why i was sleeping in your yard yeah well, you true. guys did. I mean, there's hotels. There's a lot of yeah. Other I mean, we we opted for it. So yeah. But anyway, what I'm getting at is thank you guys for working with us and like seeing how dumb we are through for the bigger picture of <laughs> giving like, us the opportunity. Yeah, I think yeah. he saw how dumb we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, he fit right in. Yeah. That was the only way, yeah. reason it worked. But what I was getting with it, with the shoot is there's a lot of people that might not have had any exposure to big time products. Um, you know, being in Illinois, we don't get to use the supplemental feed, so. The next thing is the food plot blends and, and and starting at that side of the line of big time, whereas Doug and Eric are the only guys. Can you run supplemental feed in Indiana? We've talked about this. Yeah. yeah you, can. you, you can't hunt over it, but you can supplemental feed. Right. Same as Iowa. Yep. So we're that gap in between the two states that can, yep. which doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we can get on that if we feel like we need to again. Um, but, you know, there's certain things that 
a lot of people can't use at big time offers, which is awesome. Um, awesome products, not awesome if they can't use it um, based on just state regulation or even sometimes county or whatever it may be. But getting back, like a lot of people that came to the shoot got to get like bags of buck brunch or whatever blend that they were able to grab and test it out that way. So we talk about buck brunch a lot. It's probably the number one product from big time that we discuss. Um, and we can get into all that here, but, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for supporting the shoot and, and supporting the podcast and all that. Absolutely. Man, you know, we love you. Uh, all, uh, well, not Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since that weekend in Iowa where I had to share a room with him, it, it got weird. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. That was Wisconsin. No, that was Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> See? That's hey, how bad it was. Hey, wrong state. He's trying to forget. Trying to no, we, that was your fault. We love working with you guys. I mean, we just have fun. The shoot, I mean, I, I actually got to go this year. Yeah. And, I mean, we spent so much time just talking to everybody about mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah. setting plots up, you know, getting getting on the apps and plotting out the map or plotting out the maps i've only had one Whew. just getting there and making their plots on the maps is what yeah. i'm going at and yeah talking about when to plant where to plant how to plant and that's really what got my wheels turning again about what the conversation we're about to have because mm-hmm. i mean i know we've talked multiple times about we gotta get daryl in yeah yeah and and we'll be talking whether in the the office about new potential products or anything mm-hmm. and he'll just start he doesn't even know he does it I mean, the dude is so smart. He doesn't give himself credit, mm-hmm. but he'll just throw info at me. God, we got to get you on a podcast because he'll just randomly tell you how many seeds in a pound are in for turnips. Like, yeah, there's 117,000 turnip seeds in one pound. I'm like, how do you, right. how do you know that? But we'll get into that later. He but counted them. I think it's that, like 268. <laughs> <laughs> he just, sat there and counted them one day. Well, so well, I guess that's a good uh, place to start is, you know, that I want you to introduce yourself, Daryl, and what you do with Big Time and all that. But I know, like what Joe said, you probably won't give yourself the credit being a humble guy. So I want you to give your introduction, and then I want Joe <laughs> to justify the basically what you won't say right um <clears throat> so i've been with big time now for two and a half years yeah and uh been in the industry quite a bit longer than that but um i came over here and basically obviously we've established this as pretty much a two-man team so mm-hmm. um my job description was um product development and operations but um that's you know, how we got him sucked in. Right. Whole lot more. <laughs> it sounded you, good. You got a small team. I mean, you know, I, I, the way I like to run it is, you know, Joe needs something that um, I'm there to help, and I think he's realized that. So, yep. you know, we we definitely, um, I would consider us jacks of all trades. So, but yeah, we, we I spend mean, way too much time on the phone together. <laughs> yeah, Jackson Jackson gets us all the time. Yeah. These guys still talking on the phone, but I don't live in Indiana. I don't work out of the office, so it's um, we have to do the best we can. But mm-hmm. um, but no, my main priorities are um, developing, working with you know our, our seed growers and um, the folks you know that we develop our supplements with and our tractants with, and and uh, working on feed and just trying to come up with new products. And mm-hmm. um, I do a lot of reading and research on just various things to try to generate ideas and uh, try to stay abreast of what people are kind of, you know, what's trending, even what's trending in the ag world mm-hmm. that, you know, that say, Hey, what can we bring over that's not here yet? But it's, it's something you can cross know, over like to a, to an outdoorsman hunting. Market. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it usually finds its way, but if we can, you know, it's always good to be, 
try to be the guy that comes to it first on the cutting edge. Yeah, exactly. And that's where we want to be, but uh, we want to be on the cutting edge, but we, you know, we talked about it. Um, actually this morning is, is something that, um, I've always worked really hard with. I'll go off on a tangent for a second, but, uh, is, uh, you know, you guys were already partnered together before I ever came over here, but, um, with big time. But one thing that I've always been a big focus of mine is the, is, the common everyday guy that's out there just doing the best he can, mm-hmm. you know, which makes up the largest percentage of the hunting industry. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Especially, especially the hunting industry of food plot, wildlife management supplements mm-hmm. and so on. You know, um, one of the things I always say is, you know, you got a guy that he might be able to sneak 20 or $30 away from his wife, Yeah, you know, that, you know, yeah. per paycheck and she might not notice it or, you know, whatnot. And bless her heart. Um, <laughs> he, he won't, he doesn't, he doesn't have, might not have the time. He might not be willing to put in the effort yeah. to, um, you know, do what it takes for luxurious food plots and stuff like that. But he's, you know, mm-hmm. he, you know, it's part of the fun. You know, and I uh, said so he's going to go out there and he's going to try to find a good quality seed that's going to grow for him that um, he can spend $20 on a bag of seed and then he's got $10 worth of drinking money right. that he can go plant his seed and he's got $10 and he can, you know, to buy his beer. And after he's done with his labor, he can sit on the tailgate and be like, wow, I'm going to drink hit, my beer well, and look at my fruits here. Hit the and, tavern on the way home, you know. <laughs> and, right, um, right. So, and I mean, you know, his, you know, that guy has his place and you know he shouldn't be and one thing i you know i think that's going on in the industry right now is um a lot of good information a lot of channels for getting information out to people whether it be facebook forums for food plots or mm-hmm. podcast or you know whatnot but um you know there's there's a level of almost scorning that guy that's doing the best he can and um mm-hmm. you know why he has his place. You right. Know? Absolutely. Um, well, that's all of us, you know, really. Exactly. And I tell Joe and that all the time. I said, we are that guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have giant farms with giant tractors and everything at my yeah. disposable. And, well, you know. I, you know, I'll speak for a lot of guys here is when you watch it all on TV. And I, I've said a lot with Joe on the podcast is like now that like we're going to dive into this here. I always feel like there's so much, you know, I, I'm lucky that we have Chandler in our circle. Chandler is a a farmer is mm-hmm. what he does. So there's a lot of things like we'll bounce off him, but I feel like a lot of like food plot information. I'm so like in a way kind of intimidated by, it because it seems like so much because you Absolutely. see the TV guys with their giant, their, their new Holland or John Deere sponsorship and all that. And it seems like so much for your brain, a wage brain, that's what we call it, it to absorb and like retain because it's, I think it's not that it's, we can't retain it, but it's intimidating. So it kind of puts that shell around the retainment of information around for us. So I feel like for me, I quickly forget food plot information because to, it seems so complicated um, from, well, for my wage brain to like absorb. I don't know. Well, not only that, like I think a lot of people think too, like they see that on TV where they think they need that giant John Deere yeah. or they need yeah. all that equipment just to put a food plot in when, when that's not the case. Not Almost all of my plot work's done with a, a tractor that's less than 100 horsepower. I mean, yeah. I, I use a lot of small equipment for plots. And there right. are there are people that have as good of food plots, I guarantee, that look as good as your food plots or anybody else's, and they have no, they're using they're not even using a tractor. Yep. They're mm-hmm. using a four wheeler with four wheeler implements, and they're doing the best they can for you know, um, you know, 
you might not have, you might have the best property in the world, but really not have it. Your food plots not be really accessible to equipment Mm -hmm. other Mm -hmm. than, you know, so it's, you know, I think one thing that needs to be, you know, made a prominent point is do the best you can, Mm -hmm. you know, strive, strive like anything else, but strive to do it right. And, you know, and, and to make it the best, but at the end of the day, do what, make it fun for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, 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 uh, just do your best, yeah, give, right. it, give do it what the you effort can. and then you will, and you will in th- then be rewarded and get more out of it. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, um, if, if you've patterned a nice deer and you, you know, you've moved all the pieces around and you end up killing that deer, he's going to mean more and he's going to have more of a story that you're never going to forget versus if you just go happen to sit on a stand and he walks out and you're like, Oh, right. where'd he come from? Bam. You right. Know? Right. I mean, I, you know, there's lots of different ways to look at it. So I, mean, I think that, yeah. you know, when you can enjoy the fruits of your labor, you're always going to get, I mean, that's just human nature. I yeah, think absolutely. you're going to get way more out of it. It seems sure. like it helps a lot too. Cause some of my pots, I can use tractors, but a lot of them are just a weed eater and a five gallon sprayer on the back, on my back, you know, and, Mm-hmm. Them plots mean Fill a lot it up more. In the creek when you got to. <laughs> oh yeah, them plots mean a lot more when you can actually go in there. You weed it all. Well, spray it's crazy, it. crazy how effective they can be too. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you don't need big equipment to bring a, a large number of deer or the right deer to your plot. It doesn't Absolutely. take massive equipment to do it. I mean, some of my most effective plots are small little kill plots that are tucked way back in. That there's, I mean, there's no option to get equipment back in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those are sometimes the most effective. Yeah. Well, all right, let's let's start here because I want to start. I want the the average working class guy to listen to this podcast and kind of either if he didn't realize it before, he or she didn't realize it before, like oh, like this is more attainable than I thought. It sure. doesn't cost me that much money. So let's just say so the average small piece, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Midwest, wherever you may be in whitetail country, most people are hunting small pieces of private. And the idea is put a plot in that you can put in to retain deer, whether it is early season, mid season, late season, whatever that may be, um, wherever you think we should start with this, we'll follow your lead with that. And then we'll just start with the breakdown. So, I mean, let's, let's just, uh, should we just put out like an example size farm? Say a guy's got 60 acres. Is that like fair, like a middle ground farm or something? I don't. I don't know how you want to. I think one it. of the easiest one of the easiest ways to look at that is that whether it be sixty acres or two thousand acres is, you know, trying to attain a goal of two to five percent of your two to you know six or seven you know probably don't need more than ten percent but in in food okay Meaning okay food that's a better plots. way to look at it and um, so that you know you break that down and you you know if you're starting from some virgin ground per se, you know, um, then you, you go in there and say, you kind of know how your plots are going to be made, um, size wise and Mm -hmm. and so on. Um, and, um, and, and to branch off of that, I mean, you know, when you're going in there to make plots and all, always have a strategy, think ahead, create a strategy. Obviously, you know, it's, it's written and said all the time, you know, as far as entry and exit, wind directions how are you gonna i mean you can go in there and have the best plot but if you can't hunt hunt it on you know certain winds or 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 you can't get to it without blowing deer out it's not going to be so that brings up a really good point i had a lease i had an 80 acre lease for a few years and it was a hard property to access in general we put a couple um we did buck brunch plots which grew amazing and deer were hitting them 
Um, but you can, that's one thing, like we are kind of bound by access with this. So I think that is really important and probably worth going into some detail on like, you know, you, you can't just be like, Oh, right. There's a good spot. I'm going to put it in there. And then you realize, Oh shit, I can't Yeah, deer are hitting it. But every time I go in, walk in there, I don't see deer. Well, it's because right. when you walk in, you're you're bumping deer and you're not seeing them. And then they're hitting right after you leave in the dark or whatever. Or blowing them out. Yeah. Because you can't get out. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, we just had that conversation on the way here. We were on a a, a new track that a, an acquaintance of ours just received. It's 1,400 acres about an hour south of here. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at some beautiful ground and and great plots where they're going to put them. But you're passing up four other plots to get to that one. I mean, how many deer are you going to booger out of there? Yeah, you right? might not because hurt those plots. Plot. You might not hurt those plots for the plot you're hunting. But then you go to hunt those other plots, and you didn't realize walking by them on the way in to hunt your other plots, you just trash mm-hmm. your future hunts on those plots. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point too. So I mean, really, it's you need to think about everything. Well, and now you know something too that has become more and more popular. Uh, the last several years is, um, you know, helping with getting in and out of a plot is help is planning items like borderline. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole, one of the whole reasons we, we came out with our own product. I mean, there's quite a few of them on the market, but, uh, the point of that is that you're gonna, you know, you can create the cover you need to literally get in and out of the field potentially with deer in it mm-hmm. and they never see you, you know, um, that's not an unre- unreasonable, thing to do yeah i mean you know it, you can it can happen and you can, uh you can take areas like what i do areas that are typically hard to get in and out of whether it be you know a ravine a river um just natural topography if it's not there you can take a flat area and use that screen to get in and out it it lets you put plots in areas where normally it'd be tough to put a plot in mm-hmm. yeah you create like an edge yep which I guess I let's go back. Let's start breaking this down because I like the the access thing is, I mean, pr- probably the most important number one rule of where you put a plot and borderline that makes more things like you just said, Chandler, accessible. Um, and that's something when I had this lease, I didn't have access to that yet. Um, but that could have changed a lot for us on that property is having borderline. We could have planned it certain ways for our entry and exit and, and think about wind direction, all that going into the plot. Um, we, we, that's got to be number one, right? In your head, do you think access is, it's got to be. If you can't get in there, you, you're not going to, you know, your chances <laughs> right. go down considerably. I mean, that's number right. one for just hunting, not just food plots. You know, yeah. it's all about access. Right. So, okay, a guy plans out, and I'm thinking this is going to get people thinking a little bit more about it. They're like, okay, I'm thinking about my property. When I'm walking in and out, wind direction, calculate that in. They find the spot that works the best for their property. What's the next step? Like, just assuming Midwest or, I mean, is it fair to say the Midwestern properties and into the East Coast? It's, I know the blends are going to vary a little bit on what seed they should plant, but well, you know, and not to go, we'll get into that later. But you know, not to go too far. I'm trying to step this through, but but my intelligence levels. When we put, (laughs) when we work to put the mixes together, you know, we're you're having to create a mix that hopefully can canvas north to south, you know, east yeah. to as far west as you, you know, somewhat in Kansas, I guess you'd say, would be yeah. about as far away as you're going to go. Not the Milk River area? 
<laughs> I'm kidding. We were watching the Milk River videos before we got in. <laughs> they grow alfalfa, so you should have hey, to grow a food plot. Hey, that's work. a good point. But, um, but no, it, you know, so to keep from having to have northern blends, southern blends, and all that, you know, we're doing the best we, you know, that you can to do that. Uh, it's just not really feasible mm-hmm. to have all the other skews, um, yeah. the way that seed works. But um, to your point of what's the first thing, always food plot, always number one thing, soil, soil test. Soil test. See, you know, I admit fault on that. Um, I'm bad with it. And it is a fault. Not to scorn anybody, which we were just talking about, not to, you know, but um, – you, there's so many different advan- so many advantages for taking a soil test that people need to understand. Meaning, them you know, one, you can save yourself a lot of money um, by doing a soil test because you know exactly, um, you know, and, and and not all soil tests are created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our soil test that we sell up through our website, it's um, and and, and this is thrown around a lot, but it's true is. It's a laboratory soil test. It's not a probe. It's not a slurry. It is going to a lab, and they are going to, you know, tell you exactly what's going on in your dirt. Um, and um, so that truly is the best way to find out, you know. Which, um, in turn, you know, a soil test, like what kind of things can a soil test tell you? Well, that's kind of a loaded question. Is, um, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I, mean, I know. As a, as a farmer, I can answer a part of it ph is the main one of the main things you want your ph in an ideal range which what what are you looking at like six and a half six to six and a half <laughs> six to seven and that if you can get it in that six to seven range you're the stuff that we're planting for food plots is going to thrive in that um and good what and, you're talking and, about and, and why we're on the ph thing what what is that Alkalin- what does that mean alkalinity of the soil yeah so you want you don't want it too acid you don't want it too basic so seven is neutral. Yep. Okay. On a scale of one to fourteen, seven is neutral. Okay. Uh, on the bottom side of that is going to be acidic, and the top end of that is going to be alkaline, which you don't see too often in food plot world. You know where most of the food plots are getting, but acidic soil you see all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, lime, is, it, is acidic soil more common in certain areas than it is in other places? Every pretty much. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as um, I mean, most people. Like I said, where your you know where your heaviest population of people planting food plots, they're going to deal with acidity mm-hmm. more than anything else, and um, and so lime is your correcting agent to bring you back, you know, basically bringing it back to neutral. Um, and the benefit, why you know, or the negative of being too acidic is simply nutrient uptake. Mm. The more acidic the soil, the more the nutrients are going to get bound up in the soil, and um, plants simply can't take it up. And it just doesn't it. make it to them. Moral yeah. of the story is you can go out there and fertilize as much as you want, but if your your pH isn't right, the plant's not going to uptake those nutrients. So step number one is check your pH. Okay. And then once you get your pH dialed in with lime, then you go in and you start looking at your macronutrients like N, P, and K. As a farmer, that's what I look at, yep. and then you got and some wh- micros. That you what the hell is that? N, Ni- N- N- P, and nitrogen, K? N, phosphorus, P, and potassium, K. In okay. that order, so when you're looking at a bag of fertilizer, your first number on the, you know, you're going to see, oh. let's say, 13, 13, 13. Right. Be, that's like kinds. a general There can be all signs. Right? Uh, yeah. You know, triple okay. 10, everybody knows 10, 10, 10. You know, that's your grandma's garden 
fertilizer, if you will, you know, but, uh-huh. uh, and it works. I mean, you just, um, but, um, your soil test is going to tell you the pH, tell you how much lime you need. And to Austin's point, if you're putting out fertilizer and not putting out, you know, getting your pH right, which is a very common thing, because mm-hmm. I think it's uh, what I call the the home and garden, uh, not to name names, mentality of mer- you know, marketing is just load her up with fertilizer and make it green. Well, that's all, you know, well and good if you're growing grass, although, you you know, your pH is your grass is still a plant in your yard. It's still going to be pH dependent, but right. pour pour a bunch of hog shit on it, it'll grow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? and it usually doesn't work if your pH isn't like super on a whack. But you just have to check that first to make sure right. your pH isn't like before you go dumping money yeah. into a bunch of stuff and not knowing yeah. that. And lime is subtle. lime is a lot cheaper than fertilizer. Yep. So okay, this might seem dumb, but I want to. I don't want to count any you know anybody out. There's no dumb questions here for everyone sure. listening. So if you're thinking something, I'm with you. Probably that's because we're all dumb. We're all dumb. We're idiots. <laughs> Or right next to you. Wage brain, baby. Um, where does it, so say the pH is out of whack. Um, where does a guy get lime? Good question. Same thing with can can apply here with fertilizer too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you you look out there, and a lot of times people just go to your co-op. Well, yeah, I hear that a lot. There's not a co-op around every corner, right? right. And what's I a can, co-op? A lot of people are probably asking that too. Yeah, you your know? local, I guess you could say, farm and ag store, not your local necessarily your local farm and home store but um you know uh or or lowe's or home depot or something like that it's um it's going to be somewhere that's going to mix up they're going to be working more directly with your farmers and stuff like that and um and they'll have some you know depending on co-ops vary but i mean if they have a storefront they're probably going to have some bagged fertilizer here and there and that kind of stuff but um you know they can mix up specialty blends and all that However, you know, and you can get what we call ag lime, mm-hmm. you know, and get them to spread it. Or, you know, if you've got a spreader, which is, you know, a very costly piece of machinery to, you know, to put ag lime out, um, you know. But if you don't have that, um, you know, you can go buy pelletized lime in a bag. Um, it's a little bit more expensive mm-hmm. because it's been through a process to allow it mm-hmm. to um for application yeah for application and you're paying for a bag you're paying for you know the extras um but um but it works Mm -hmm. and um so there's nothing wrong with doing that is a bag as you know say a guy's got a acre and a half plot or an acre plot like is a i mean is that is lime gonna kill him you know does a guy need to be scared about man if i do the soil test I'm going to know I'm going to need to buy all this lime yeah. and I'm worried about like the money I'm going to end up dumping into it. I bought the seed. I, I paid, I bought my beer. Now I got to go get lime and now I got to do this. Like, is that, is that going to be like a the pissed? Yeah, lime no, is still going to be the cheapest thing you do. Okay. Okay. That's what I was getting at. And if you get your pH more in line, you have a way better you, pot and you can skimp on your fertilizer a little bit because you're going to be getting a better nutrient uptake. Okay. So if you're, you know, if you're running lean on, on cash flow, then get your, spend your money on your lime yep. and cheat a little bit on your fertilizer. Would you agree with that? Austin? Yeah. One thing I would say is sometimes lime wise, you have to put a, a large amount of product on. So if you're in a spot where you're using a hand spreader for fertilizer, that might not work so well for lime. If you have to put a large, tonnage of lime on 
that's why I recommend checking with your local co-op if you can find one. If you're in an ag area, there's going to be a co-op mm-hmm. somewhere. Like an so, FS or something yeah, like that? Yeah, we have FS, Diamond Ag, Nutrien. I mean, yeah, there's... We have, solutions are, are yep, around us anyway. Yep. So if you do, if you are lucky enough to be close to a co-op, I, like my co-ops, maybe it's because I'm already a farmer and they know me, but they just let me use their fertilizer buggy. So a lot of places, if you're buying product from them, you can rent or use their little oh, fertilizer really? buggy, put it on the back oh. of a tractor, go in, spread your plots, and you're done, which saves you a lot of a lot of headache in the mm-hmm. end. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Interesting. A lot of times, if access is easy, I mean, you guys have seen the, the test plots that we have at the plant, and, I mean, they'll just come spread it for us. Mm-hmm. Once we yep. tell them, what, I mean, after we do the soil test, and we'll, we'll get into more of more details of the soil test here shortly, but, you know, we tell them what we need. They pre-mix it, come right down, spread it, and it... I mean that seven acres. I think last year on the fertilizer was three hundred bucks. Yeah, and it was also, and that was the entire. And like, seven we acres done. is a lot for the average yeah. guy. So I mean, and that was him driving out into the field, spreading it all out, and right hitting me because I was trying to take pictures of him while he was doing. It. He was loving that part. <laughs> he kept on doing circles around me. Well, if and if you've got, if you're fortunate to have a a co-op that's successful, and you and you have access to wherever your plots are going to be. That is definitely a more economical way to have them come out there and, and apply it for you. Or if you've got a tractor and you can rent a buggy, you know, then, you, you know, you can obviously utilize the buggy and pull it yourself. But, yeah. um, but I've a, seen a it. guy could spread it by hand if he had to. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it's um, you know. Probably it's, not it's, ideal. It's, but It's not that it's not ideal. It's just more work. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just I, not as efficient. I and, did that um, on our borderline the other day. Yeah. It's uh, just, we had a good rain coming in. Yep. And we were on the phone. I'm like, I got to go. I, I get out there and get this spread. I mean, and we did the entire length of that entire seven acres this year, 18 feet wide in borderline. So you cannot see it at all from the highway anymore. Beautiful. And it's mm. going to be completely blocked from the plant side, too. Oh, very oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really sweet. So you spread lime by hand? Is that what you're saying you did? That was fertilizer. Fertilizer. I, mean, I, I had a shoulder spreader, and I mean, I kept on going down and back, and I knew how much I needed. And just kept on going till it was gone, and I'd move the truck when I needed to, and just kept on going. Okay, so I'm sorry. I mean, I'm I'm learning with everyone. <laughs> I'm assuming, you know, there's a lot of people who listen that might know a lot of this information, but I, I don't like to assume that. I like to assume that nobody knows anything because I feel like I don't. Um, so once you do your soil test, that gets you in your pH, and it sounds like pH is most important. So you want to be around seven. That's what I'm gathering because that's neutral, right? Six to six seven. Six, six to seven. Half, yeah. So set, you get your pH right. And that means, and I'm trying to follow, I'm recapping, making sure I'm absorbing this. The plants are able to absorb the nutrient that basically get their full potential from the soil that from way. Dirt. Whereas if it's too acidic, they don't get the the full potential of the nutrient from the soil and all that. Okay. So what what's next? You got your, um, what'd you guys call it? The NP and K? And then, so where do you go from there? So we know the the lime can can level out your pH. What do you do to control the rest of it? The MP and K, like where do you start there? If so that's you, something you're gonna your results are gonna come back and tell you where your pH is at and what your recommendation is, and they're gonna also come back and tell you what your NP and K uh, recommendations are. Also, so they're gonna. Doug's trying to tell me what I'm doing about recording wrong. <laughs> hey, we're here. So, um, gotta keep him in check. Hey, Daddy's got, I appreciate you looking out. Yeah. 
But no, your your MPNK's you know <laughs> um, recommendations are going to be on there, and you know, and we've got it set up to where they're going to give you those recommendations per the crop that you're planting. So if it's if it's a big time product, then you you know you can list that out when you send your soil test um, analysis in, and they you know when it comes back, they're going to give you recommendations specifically for what you're planting. Okay. Um, so you know they're going to give you. Um, you know, the so there's no guessing, really. So yeah, it's like it, he did a phenomenal job setting that up to where, you know, it tells you your deficiencies or overages. And then, you know, if you're going to do foundation, you check foundation mm-hmm. or, you know, lockdown, long, whatever brand or whatever product it is you're going to use from us. If you don't know, you just check them all. So it tells you what you need, but it also gives you the recommendation to put on there to correct that. I mean, that, that was a, when I for that, that product it, for that product. Right. And if you listed all of them, it gives you a list of every single one. This is what you do for clover. This is what you do for peas. This is what you do for wheat. Cause if you're never, if you're planting, oh. if you're planting foundation clover, it's not going to be the same recommendation. Okay. As you, if you're playing long range, well, that makes sense, but I'm glad we covered that because, so, uh, I don't know how I was thinking at work. That shows how much experience I have with soil test kits. Um, well, and that's what you can do too. You can check all the boxes and be like, okay, maybe this, you weren't sure what you're going to plant and maybe you're on a budget. What's going to be the cheapest route yeah. here and what, what can I plant on that? Yeah. Cheapest and route? It'll, it'll paint a broad spectrum for your ground. So if you go do this soil test and you check all the boxes, it'll say, well, if I use this product, I need this. And if I use this product, I need this, right. it'll paint that picture to say, well, my property overall is kind of potassium deficient. So I need to go in there and spread. If I'm going to spend any money. I want to spend it on this, and I want to get my potassium levels up, my potash levels up. So that's, I guess that's the way I look at it as the a last, farmer. The last number in the fertilizer. Yeah. The, <laughs> so you. out of the three, the potash would be the last one. Which, uh, yeah. Anyways, I guess that's what I'm saying. It'll paint, it'll kind of paint a broad picture for you of what your fertility is in your soil. Okay. What One thing I want to get to, and uh, maybe my wage, maybe we talked about it, but my wage brain didn't absorb it. How do you take a soil test kit? The one specifically from Big Time. By the way, you can use code WCB2021. Save yourself some yeah, money. 20, I got screamed at the other day because on the website, you know, I get the messages. This, this dude's on there. He's like, dude, I'm doing WCB21. It's not acting. What, what the hell's going on with those guys? <laughs> I might get 2021. And I was listening to the last podcast. Did you I said WCB21. Oh, my bad. That guys. was on you. I told Ooh, you, I said, Kurt's a dumbass. I, all right, I'm done. I, I, I Kurt's got a, a dumbass. That's all I had to say. I got two messages today about it so <laughs> my bad guys my bad wcb so, 2021 when you go on the website you're going to purchase that and you're going to receive a sheet that's going to come email to you and um there are instructions with graphics and 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 so on on the it's a picture book. is there pictures Ooh, there is a okay, picture. I, so i can use this that's what we like it's a coloring book class hunter hey, listen, customer hey can i just do this <laughs> thank you sir thank you Thank you for what you do, you but uh, but they can be you know your samples can be pulled if you if if you go as far as to they make probes to run in the ground that are going to pull out cores and mm-hmm. and um and then you know you could literally go out there with a spade and just dig up your sample you're going to want to take probably you know at least probably six inches of soil there um, at least I would recommend mm-hmm. um, basically where you, you know thinking about where your root zone is going to be starting out in that plant yeah. Um, but the, you know, one thing that's key is, you, you know, um, you need to, if you're going to have, if you've got a half acre food plot here per se, and you're going to need to take multiple samples from all over that field 
And you can't just go out there and say, well, I got, you know, here's my sample. I'm going to go because you can literally be in this spot and in the same field, walk over here 20 yards and it could be completely get, different. Get something. So basically okay. what you're doing is you're pulling samples from the whole field, putting it together. And you're going to get an average for that plot. Essentially, mm-hmm. is what's going on. Um, get the and, grass out, no debris. You know, yeah, if you can clean dirt. it up, you know, if, it, if it's really wet when you're trying to do it, you know, maybe let it dry out for a day or two. So it's mm-hmm. Just an old penny in it. A what? <laughs> Just an old penny in it. <laughs> Some old change in there or something. <laughs> a little treasure. Um, We're idiots. But... <laughs> that come from? Nah, thanks, Doug. It's an old penny. And, and I've heard your soil's high in nickel. <laughs> I've heard high that, um, there. Yeah. about it, five cents. It's... Um, yeah, five cents worth of coffee. Then. Uh, that's, that's not even right. It'd be a one cent worth of coffee. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've heard the recommendation, you know, sending in about two pounds worth of soil. I don't know that that matters because I can tell you that, you know, all the samples I've sent has been <laughs> grades of variances of, you know, of different weights or whatnot. But uh, mm-hmm. but the the key thing is getting a good sampling across the whole field so that you can get that a more accurate average. Um, so if you have like an acre plot, how many how many uh, tests are you going to take in an acre? Um, me, I'm going to take is I'm going to take quite a bit. I mean, like five, ten. I'm going to take probably fourteen to twenty. Yep. Okay. I really am. I'm going to, you know. Samples um, for one test, right? Yeah. Not, yeah. Not fourteen to twenty tests. No, no, no. Yeah. For the one test. Soil pools, you know, to, to, to put yeah. in my bucket hey, to blend. Can we talk about the price of the soil test, and then you'll get money off with the code? That way people, no. I don't want, okay, no. <laughs> we can't talk about that? No, we can't talk about that. But I, I want to get people, because I don't want people to get wrapped up being like, oh, man, that's going to cost me 200 bucks to get a soil test. No, you. Um, it's only available on the website, bigtime.com. Um, you go to the food plot section in the shop. Um, the soil test is fourteen ninety nine. And like Daryl was saying, we email it to you, so you print it off, fill it out, do your test. You know, you get a Ziploc baggie and put put all your soil in. You do need to mail it off, so it's fourteen ninety nine from the website, and whatever it costs, I mean, a dollar, two dollars, whatever it is, yeah, okay, to, to ship it. That's it. Okay, I just want to cover and that. That does the, the discount does apply, so you're going to get three dollars off of that. So you're looking at less than twenty bucks to do this sample. And with the with yeah. the added yeah. later benefit of the amount of money that you can't put a price tag on because you don't know of what it could save you on lime and, and fertilizer. And right. if you didn't spend that $16, planted and everything, and nothing grew, you're going to shit talk us because you think we have a bad product. That's a good point. Of course. That's when, a good point. In, in reality, you can have the best seed in the world, and if you didn't do this step, we do it's not going to grow. We do have the best seed in the world. That's true. <laughs> there but, you, but it's nice. always you the have seed's the fault. Seed it's it, always the seed's fault. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Whether you get too well, much rain, bury the seed, it's always the Well, seed's if you fault. don't know, that's what you think. <laughs> true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that is, that, that's why we're here. We're trying to change that, I, I hope. I'm learning change a lot. Change the culture. It changed the culture. So with that $20 test, how many acres can you do with that? $15 test. $15 Minus test. three bucks with the code. Yes. How, Get it right off. We're whittling this thing down. How many, I'm just <laughs> we're giving just them away. Here. So how many acres can you do with that? Like, if I have a 200 acre plot, can I do that for fifteen dollars? He could. He could. Um, <laughs> we're gonna have a it. lot of samples to pull and to get an average of that. But um, in a fifty-five gallon drum of dirt, <laughs> that's where you're gonna lose money when you ship the fifty-five gallon drum. Just give let, it to Joe. Let, let me see if I understand this. 
it just gets less accurate the bigger area you're testing. Yeah, I mean, essentially that's a good way to put it. And you know, just because you're, I mean, you're just painting a water, you know, mm-hmm. you're just kind of hoping a little it's more bit more generalized. Yeah. yeah, I would say, you know, I would speak it more in terms of really realistic terms of what our customers are typically doing. So, you know, a half acre to a two acre plot, you know, that's going to be your standard range of your, your most average food plots uh, or even less. But, um, but I would say, you know, consider that you know, to be that one single plot, you know, um, that, that would be my recommendation. Yeah. I'm going to bring up a good point. You can't buy one test and print it out 20 times and send in the same one because we, <laughs> we have it coded. So you can't just use the same one over and over and over. You need to buy it. God damn it. You're a step ahead of me. They're, they're numbered. So yeah, I knew where you were going with that. Well played. Thank you. Hey, I got a couple thousand acres. I need to get soil tested. So. <laughs> yeah. 50, 50 bucks. That's not too bad. The lab calls. We just had 80 food plot soil tests come back. From Austin Chandler. <laughs> From Mr. Chandler. Who, who is Lord? <laughs> the Lord. But That's the Lord's dirt. Don't mess with it. We, we do have to say that that actually, this was actually done Uh-oh. by a good friend of ours. Yes, it was. He, so someone uh, tried this. Un- no, he didn't try it. Inten- he didn't do it intentionally. But instead of printing off all the ones we had, he had gotten, he just printed, kept printing the same one. And he oh. sent all the same one, but he had seven sitting there, but he only used one for seven samples. <laughs> right. His name's Randy, and he'll be here soon. I'll be here with him. We'll call so we got to give, him, sh- gotta oh, give yeah. him some shit when he comes in, huh? Damn it, Randy. God forbid. <laughs> so technically, he did buy all the kids. He just printed out the same sheet. Yeah. Seven all right. Yeah. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't go over well when it got to the lab. No. So when you guys are looking at these soil tests, are they mostly just macronutrients that you're looking at, or do you guys look at, like, sulfur and zinc? And- yeah, I mean, they're they're on there, but we don't go into in-depth. I mean, obviously, not, not that they don't matter, because they do. Um, but I think in in real-world food plot, yeah, I mean, you know. Get the macros in line, and yes, then you're in good shape. and his yep. pH, and, I mean, that's going to cover the basics of yep. it. I mean, you know, when he starts elevating that game if you will and he you know to those guys they're gonna they're, they're gonna know to you know be looking at that before the 90 percent of the food plot, plotters that that um ph and mpk is going to cover yep. their bases for sure okay l- let's move on to the next step if you will let me reel back with one okay. second no no so um, i'm following so your lead, when man. you get when you get the um your soul test back and you see, and I know this is a very frustrating, confusing, and even intimidating because food plotting is intimidated to most guys. Cause quite frankly, you're asking them to be a farmer and they're not. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're going to get a recommendation and it might be, uh, I just went round and round with a, a customer last week. Um, not in a negative way, but just trying to help him out because he, you know, his, Soil test said you need uh, 15 units of nitrogen, 30 of uh, phosphorus, and 15 of of uh, potassium. He was like, well, I can get this, this, and this. It, it, you're going to get a recommendation from the soil test, but a lot of people get really, really hung up. Like, I can't find this anywhere. They don't make this fertilizer. And, you know, what am I going to do? I, I mean, I'm, my back's up against the wall. I can't, I'm, you know just forget this. I don't want, you know, and they, and they mm-hmm. get really frustrated and, um, you know, and there are, 
what I tried to help with this customer is looking at it from the most economical way with, I said, what do you have available to you? Mm -hmm. And, um, he gave me a couple and I said, well, you know, you, we, here's what we got. We can use all of these that you have, but you're going to have overages here. You're going to have shortages here. So you're just trying to try to figure out to, you know, get as close to the bar that's there as Mm -hmm. you can. Mm -hmm. Um, but don't get hung up in the weeds that, uh, and try to say, you know, be economical about it, you know? Um, cause one of the, one of the fertilizers he had would have to get his, um, nitrogen and potassium requirements. He was going to put him at 90 pounds over on his, he was going to, you know, that's a waste of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different analysis out there. Yeah. You just, you just have to find the one that works well for you. And you can get separate ones. Like you can get one that's heavy in phosphorus and one that's heavy in nitrogen and one that's heavy in, in potash. And then you can just build it. Yeah. You can build your own. I mean, you don't have to buy that exact blend. Don't get too hung up on hitting those numbers on the head, I guess, is the point Absolutely. you're trying to make. Well, I think yeah. that's what people are thinking when they get that test pack they're like okay i need these exact numbers 100 percent. i, I mean, need these exact numbers that's telling you pounds that you need per acre, per acre basically right. gotcha okay. and you see it all the time and um i think that it's i think it's just another level of frustration that can be added to a guy right. and um who's already busy yeah and we don't yeah. you know and yeah. you know he's like well, what am i gonna do and i mean of course you know we we also put on our bags a general recommendation of, you know, if you don't do a soil test, here's a recommendation. But the problem with that, yeah, you can do it. But the problem with that is you could be wasting a whole lot of money. Yep. Because you don't actually know. Yeah. You don't know what you're just blind throwing it out there and um, it'll work. But you might, you know, you not knowing what's going on in your soil is, um, you know, you could be spending a lot of extra money. You could be putting mm-hmm. a lot of waste out there. Yep. Right. Um, and, um, and I mean, sometimes, you know, you know, some of these fertilizers, you don't want running off into your ponds or streams or various things. No, it's things. not good for the environment to over-fertilize right. if you don't have to. Right. So, um, you know, not just, you know, if we're, if we're food plotting and we're, you know, the, the word of the day is being land stewards and all that, then it's something to think, I mean, you should think about it. And um, I think a lot of people probably don't know that, you know, because they just haven't had experience around fertilizer and all that. There's a lot I don't know. Certainly. You know, about fertilizer. And I work in the ag industry, really. Um I have some fertilizer stuff that's coming up in my career. I'm about to learn a lot. I know it's corrosive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's about all I know about it. But, uh, but yeah, that's a good point, though. You know, it, so I, you know, I just wanted to get that out there that, um, you know, since we're talking about soil tests so much, and is that, um, you know, it's those are recommendations. They're not, don't be discouraged they're, by they're, it. They're not written in stone. It's just your guiding tool to, to, to look at. And then, you know, use the resources you have available and, you know, and like Austin said, you know, you might have to go buy a 3400, you might have to go buy a 0060 or something, you know, um, and, and blend it together. It, that's very, you know, um, food plotting, you're not, you're going to get out what you put in. Mm-hmm. Being lazy is not going to get you very far um, if you're wanting good quality plots. So, um, you know. But at the same time, if, you know, if someone gets our, you know, does our soil test and they're planting our plots and they have a question, I mean, obviously they can call us and, 
we'll be glad to walk them through it. Yeah, you're not leaving anyone out to dry. No, definitely not. And if we, you know, if they do feel that way, it's not intentional. We, we, yeah. We're there to help and, you know, respond to them and do the best we can. And, and for the fact. record, Joe does a great job with running the big time social media on all platforms, even if you're on TikTok. And uh, what's up, Joe? And uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's there, though. You know, even if yeah. you're a young kid, most young kids are on TikTok now. If you're a 14-year-old kid who your grandpa owns some ground, he said, do your thing, and you're trying to figure it out, that might be, I mean, we joke around, but that might be the spot he reaches out yeah, to you on, on TikTok. Honestly, there's a lot of questions that, you know, we get to a point where we'll, I'll start having a conversation with a customer, and I'm to the point where, like, you know what, I'm going to bring in the big guns. I'm mm-hmm. going to bring in the food plot Jedi, and I'll be <laughs> like, hey, Daryl. You know, you take this over I'll, for me. I'll take a screenshot of, you know, whether it's an email or what, and let him reach out to him, and then they'll start going off, and then he calls me. He's like, "Dude, I was on the phone for four hours. <laughs> it was good though. It was good. Yeah, not that it's a problem. <laughs> I mean, it is, it's a good thing. Turn around. But I mean, we um, we enjoy doing that too. I mean, and then it's part of it. Then you know? we get the success stories back. And, and I can tell you that when you get the chance to talk to customers. Not only is it beneficial for the customer, it's been, I mean, I look at it as beneficial to me. It helps me stay on top of and keep it at the front of my mind so that I can, you know, right. roll well, it that, off better. I mean, I mean, you know, this sheet that I sent to Daryl and Kurt before we got going, I was like, these are the topics and discussions that we have on a daily basis is what we're basing this off of. From today. the people. Right. From the people. From you. Yeah. I, gotta, I mean, it, it was an extensive list, but I was like, this is what people want to know. And this well, is what I they mean, hear I, about. I, that's why we've been talking about food, like soil tests and like the breakdown of it for 50 minutes it, because this is that important. I right? told you this was going to be a long one. And I'm, I'm, I'm all in. <laughs> I'm, I'm learning a ton, actually. Go ahead, Eric. I got a quick question. Like, we don't have to stay on too long, but do you have like a background in this or where do you, how'd you learn all this shit? Um,. <laughs> I love Eric's just like just, uh, good Listen, te- we- I just say good teacher, something like that. Good teacher. I've, okay. I've, I've been, I've had the um, luck of being around some people that were willing to help me in, in my past and um, had a lot of knowledge, more knowledge than. And you're, you're clearly I'll, passionate. I'll oh, ever, yeah. yeah, I enjoy it. You know, I, I do. And um, um, it's, you know, I didn't go to school for ag or anything like that. That's um, surprising so, with how knowledgeable you are. Right. Um, I would have but, figured um, you would have a degree in something in this. No, in I this don't. Field. But it, it's just, um, and uh, hopefully it shows that you don't have to. Honestly, that's better. If you are passionate about something and willing to put a little bit of time in research, and I mean, you know, so much is at our fingertips nowadays mm-hmm. that, you yeah. know, you can educate yourself. Um, Dude, a degree nowadays is a $40,000 piece of fucking paper. You can get right. whatever you want to get the way yeah. you got to get it nowadays. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean anything. And you, I can my guarantee opinion. you a piece of shit don't mean nothing. What you got there is a YouTube U has taught me a lot of things. What's that? YouTube U has taught me a lot of things. Yeah. Right. But, uh, you know what's funny? I talked to this this side note here. Um, when I first we first got to know Chip City, yep. um, and Chip City's worked with Big Time for a long time. Yep. I talked to him about his his skills in editing because he's the guy is he's on his route to the outdoor industry hall of fame for being a producer. He's a madman. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to him. I'm like, how, how, dude, where'd you go to school to like learn all? He's like, YouTube. Yeah. Like, dude, I can you can learn anything on YouTube. That's where I learned all my everything is on YouTube. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah, I remember him telling us that he was like editing on like two VCRs where you could like take one tape and put on another one and all this shit. Yeah. I'm like. That's so bizarre to me. Yeah. No, but I mean, you know, to your question, I've, I've been, I was given chances and, um, 
you know, my own passion plays into it and all that too. But, to, you know, I was given chances and being, I was put in position to be around some very knowledgeable people and did the best I could to absorb what I can and still try to, you know, the, I think the key too is never like anything. Don't stop trying to learn. And, yeah. um, you know, I can probably learn a whole lot by the man sitting beside me too. So, and, yeah, uh, I doubt that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, you know, and just, you know, something too though is don't um don't fake it yeah nobody knows everything right and you know and every you know every no situation is universal for every single thing so yeah uh, definitely you know if um if you don't know it be honest and say hey let me get back to you and you look a lot dumber if you act like you know it and you right don't. and people, the only way you'll learn is ask questions and yeah and fail absolutely you know? so, so let, let's uh let's shift from the soil test thing and let's get into, and, and I don't know the next step, but I'm going to throw like the spring versus fall plot thing out there. And because the guy's, he's thinking about a spot. He's got his access in his brain where he wants to start putting a plot in. And then the next question is like, all right, here's my area. Do I do a spring plot or do I do a fall plot? Do I do both? Where, like, where do you even tackle that for a guy? So to Joe's exact question, pros and cons of spring planning, right? Yeah. Are you guys going to do a beer um, run? Yeah. We're, we're going together. I'll, I'll go take, into the bathroom together. I'll take a beer, and if you want to mix an old-fashioned, you can, but I won't make you. You're feeling dangerous. You gave me one, now you want me to mix you Mix me one, Joe. <laughs> Try me, buddy. You're in our house, and I'll, you're normally the guy feeding me whiskey. <laughs> Anyone get, else? I'll, I'll have a couple beers, too. i got to be – I'm fueled in for the long road here, man. This. If they're cold, bring me an old Milwaukee. They're definitely not cold yet. I'm going for it. Oh, <laughs> All right. I'm going for it. Hey, we're here. No, I think it plays back to, again, it's just the overall creating a strategy and, you know, and, um, you know, what are you wanting to get out of your property? You know, what mm -hmm. do you have available? Do you might, if you've got, if you've got one plot that you're able to do on your, on the, you know, you're a parcel if it's small or something, you know, are you, are you looking for year round nutrition? If you are, then you need to probably look at, you know, getting that ground sweetened up and, and putting a perennial in and, you know, um, understanding now that perennial is going to be more work. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, you, you know, the amount of food you get out of the, you know, you're putting out year round traction, uh, attraction in there. And just because it's, you know, if it's clover, if it's alf, you know, a, you know, a mix or, of alfalfa, chicory, clover or whatever. I feel like clover is like the most common. Clover's you king. About. You know, clover's king. I mean, you know, whenever, I mean, people think food plots, they say, oh, you know, I need to put a clover plot in. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's a miss, um, um, a mistake too. I mean, I think to what we're talking about is, um, if you're not willing to put in the time to maintain that clover and get the soil right and all that, you're, you're probably wasting your time falling short. And, um, so, you know, if you, if you're, if you're looking at it, well, all I want to do is draw in deer in, in the fall and, and during hunting season, then I, I would probably advise you to plant an annual, you know, are you, do you want it to be something that's going to be kind of a full encompassing, you know, beginning to end food type food plot, like our, um, long range or lockdown or, or buck brunch, you know, where there's mm -hmm. component, you know, it's a wide variety of mix, you know, seeds in the mix that, you know, are going to, you know, become mature and become palatable at various times. Mm -hmm. Or do you want something that's more like last stand where it's going to be there, you know, more as your late season, um, you know, cold weather, winter type, you know, and that's something you plant late summer and, but it's the tracting properties and it works late season. 
for you know for well for last stand for yeah, last stand yeah, yeah, yeah yeah you know speaking to the fall annuals that and, was a um, fast mix Joe I'm scared of this <laughs> and it's very full <laughs> thank you Joe sorry Daryl no 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 that, but uh, but not to that it, you know if um, and as far as you know if you wanted the you know the ultimate goal would be if you if you have if it, you have the luxury of of planning and you know whatever you want is I want food. 20 you know 365 days a year mm-hmm. so i'm gonna have a mix of perennials and annuals i'm gonna have you know i'm probably gonna have you know things um you know and to to clarify that you've probably got three different categories here if you will you've gonna you're gonna have um year-round plots which are gonna sum up your perennials mm-hmm. um you're gonna have spring summer Spring slash summer annuals, which are going to be, you know, your your peas and bean mixes and, and, and stuff like that, or it could be even be your, um, you know, soil builder type um, plot. But you could, it's still going to have food that the deer soil can. builder. Um, just some things that you, you're going to be planting that are going to build the soil. Um, it, you know, it, it's it could be something as simple as buckwheat. Okay, that's going to build the soil. Buckwheat's awesome. So if you come, yeah, in, I've if, talked to Joe about buckwheat a lot. Plant. You know, say if you're taking, if you get a new farm, and you're taking ground out. You know, this, you know, you're putting it in ground into food plots, and you're saying, you know, well, you know, my my ground's not very good. I just come out. It's just coming out of a of a hayfield, or it's coming out of just grown up. You know, if it was CRP or whatever it could be. You yeah. know, and you you know, your, your soil's probably not going to be optimal. So just kind of flood, helping flush it and put some nutrients back into it. And then, you know, all the while, you know, you're getting your soil, you spend the spring and summer essentially getting your soil um, ready to plant in the fall. For the fall. You know, for to get to get rolling for the future. In, in right. my head, and I'm only speaking from my perspective and some of my experiences, we've done, so we've done very, now, now knowing the details that I know about soil tests, I look at my past food plot experience as being very, uh, how could I say it? Half ass. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and I've had buck brunch and, uh, buck brunch and, uh, last stand. We always did like half and half plots. One plot we do buck brunch. One we did, uh, both half and half, mm-hmm. um, just to see. And they've done great for me. And I, apparently I've been lucky. Well, that's just a testament to that product. Or a testament to the product. They're so hardy. They, I mean, they grow almost anywhere. It's insane how well those products grow. And that's probably just the evolution of your guys' research and and knowledge and testing and all that. Um, It's got to be the rye that's in there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I said it. (laughs) It's coming. So... Dude, when somebody asked me about a plot, like if I was going to do one plot, what do you recommend? Buck brunch. Like, oh yeah, that shit looks amazing. It brings deer in, and it's—I mean, it's literally tonnage there from August or even earlier, depending on when you plant it. But I see deer in that. I mean, it's lush and green from August until March. And, and that, that stuff holds deer. I, I almost am a little reluctant to say because that's what I planted mostly from big time is, and it's worked so good that I. I just go back to it, and mm-hmm. it's just available about any box store that carries big time. They have Buck Brunch. and But I'm reluctant to say, like, it grew so good, and I put minimal effort into it. But I'd hate for the next guy, his soil's way out of whack, and then he plant and not have the same result, which is a possibility. Right. Um, you know, especially with all the details we cover with the soil test. Now, you know, it's getting better and better all the time, and 
it makes that process easier for the average guy. And don't um, forget about Mother Nature. Right. Like there's a lot of variables in there that can really help or screw a lot right. up, you know, like drought being number one or you, I mean, name it, you know, anything yep. can affect it. Um, my interests speaking from me, I'm more interested in, cause there's so much crop in, in the Midwest in general. I'm more interested in fall plots only okay. not saying that I won't do spring plots too, or whatever. Like, yeah, I will dabble in that. But right now with how busy and chaotic my life is, Fall plots is where I'm leaning. Like right now in my head, I wanted to do spring plots. I had my life is like literally got turned upside down this spring. Didn't have time to do everything. I I bought a tractor, a little working man, 1984 Yanmar deer tractor, trying to just get a little food plot unit. And I just wasn't able to do what I wanted to do. And, you know, know, most people that listen know about it all. But anyway, I'm trying to get a food plot ready for the fall before I go on my mule deer hunt. So I don't have to stress when I'm gone and get that in before the 1st of September when I leave. So that's where my focus is, and I would assume most people's focus is keeping deer on their property during deer season. I know guys want to keep them year-round, and that's important, but I would say generally if we wanted to, like, shotgun blast a broad range, sure. it would probably be more focused on the fall plots for, for the sake of limited time on a on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um well, do you guys agree with that, or am I yeah. kind of just... 100%. Not, I agree. No, 100%. Yeah. Go, it, go No, I was just going to say diversity is everything. Like, if you have the opportunity to plant a lot of different food sources, it's not going to get better than planting four or five different ones. I mean, plant as much different things as you can. See what works for you. It's better to have annuals and perennials um, just to have diversity on one farm. And there's a reason why these, you know, you don't see straight... One variety of clover. I mean, our clover's got five different varieties of clover in it. Mm. You know, you, you, everything's a mix because the deer plants come and go. You know, in palatability and maturity rates and all that. Wow. So, deer's going to be their browsers. They're going to be picking through. You know, one thing that has always amazed me and intrigues me is how a deer can literally walk through and you know say, "Well, that plant's. I don't know what they're. You know, is, is it a smell thing that they can sense or what?" That plant, you know, just like brassicas, they literally won't eat them, you know, generally speaking, um, until they get that good frost on them. And then all of a sudden, you know, how do they know? I've never, I mean, that's always intrigued me. And, um, you know, how do they go through a field of what we visualize as just a field of clover? And they're picking out, I mean, they're picking out what they're, you know, what, whatever's the most palatable at that moment that's what they're going yeah. through mm. i wonder but, if it's uh, like a smell or a visual thing i don't know I yeah, that, I, taste smell probably all of it you know yeah and i don't know but um but no even you know the variety is is key i mean you need you need a healthy mix if it's possible of perennials and annuals on your you know but even um to your what i was gonna say to you about you know your specific situation if hey, i've only got fall you know the bit to me the best time to plant perennials is in the fall mm-hmm. to get them established because you're gonna you're not gonna benefit as much the first year your first hunting season out of because that you know uh, uh, a perennial is going to put a lot of energy into root growth and establishment because it's it's uh it's a marathon runner your your annuals are sprinters mm-hmm. so that perennial is trying you know it's natural life cycle is for the long haul so it's going to spend mm-hmm. a lot of its initial 
you know, which is why nurse crops planting and it mixing it with oats or even brassicas or something like that is a good idea to kind of take some pressure off and allow, allow it to get up and, and develop. But um, you also, you know, another benefit of planting a perennial in the fall is less weed competition. Mm, okay. You know, it's you know, a lot of people, you know, frost seeding has become really, really popular. And it's a great technique. Um, and, you know, guys are, you know, learning more about it and being really successful with it. But, um, you're, you know, you're still, um, you're still going into the dog days of summer, potentially, if we have a, if we have an early, you know, a hot spring or a dry spring or, you know, you're asking a really, really young, immature plant to survive that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, versus you plant it in the fall. It's going to develop. It's got the optimal temperatures. You're not going to have the competition like you would with weeds. The heat's not going to burn it off. No, generally speaking, no. And then so when, but then it's sitting there through the winter, still being, still providing a food source. And it's going to, when you come out of spring, it's in the ground, into spring, it's in the ground. So whenever the, the, the right temp and the soil temps hit, it's ready to go. Yep. And it's going to jump, and then, you know, you come in there and things start greening up, and you give it a jolt of fertilizer and stuff like that. It's, now, just, like your, it's just like your yard, your grass. You know, you you can tell after when spring comes and it hits yeah. or it just turns green, put a little fertilizer, and it's nice and thick and lush. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, but, the you, same, but you've got a root thing. structure now, though, that can handle, better handle, when you if you get into the hot, dry dog days of summer, per se. So, um, so to your point, I wouldn't say, well, I'm just a fall guy. That means I'm only going to plant fall annuals, you know, and, you know, you say, well, I don't have that much time. If you start a perennial in the fall, I bet you could find time in the spring or in the summer to go out there and quickly spray, you know, or put some fertilizer on your food, on your perennial. Mm -hmm. And then now guess what? You've got a year long food plot. That's that's the great thing about guys that are kind of stressed on time like for me a lot of these hard to reach plots i mean i've got five of them that i don't like to get equipment back into so i'll go back in there and plant my clover so i go back in there and mow it once or twice a year that's all the maintenance i have to do you know throw a little fertilizer on it and i'm good so i look at my harder to reach places as perennial plots where i don't have to go back in there work ground every year seed it and right. mess with everything once See, you get that w- once you get that established it's good five six years sometimes mm-hmm. so, so that being said um i'm loving what you guys are saying like i'm i'm actually learning a lot like this is really good and i feel a lot of this i just need to talk through a little bit um so what would be some of the blends like you know, maybe shotgun blast several blends that Big Time offers. That'd be good to plant in the fall that are good for that situation that can, can get established and you can maintain with fairly minimal effort and still have very well established, you know, with a couple mows or a fertilizer blast or whatever it may be. Like, what, what's some blends you would recommend? Well, the only two perennials that we offer right now are our foundation clover and our clover select mm-hmm. and then uh, so foundation is going to be a, a straight clover mix and then um clover select is going to be a clover and chicory mix and so those right are good now, for fall planting as well absolutely yeah absolutely so that's going to be your um your two that you're going to be looking at for um, okay you know trying to establish in the fall to carry you know and, and maintain de- the deer eat clover even into the late season and absolutely all that. Okay. i mean you know i think a lot of people have the misconception of clover as being a spring to fall type plot, which it's great for. It is absolutely great for, but that's why um, you said clover's king. 
Yeah. Right. And, uh, well, I mean, it's, it's good in protein and I mean, it, it, and it's, it's, it's just a good nutrient based plant. And I mean, you know, everything kind of eats on, you know, wildlife, meaning, you know, turkeys love clover. I mean, it, it is, you know, it's got, a, it's such a universal type plant, but, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, you can you, you, snow cover. I mean, you, people have, I mean, it, it's not like a grass where it's going to, it's going to shut down and go dormant and turn brown or something like that. It's going to, you know, clover's going to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, dig, right. they dig through that they snow and get that. Absolutely dig through it. You know, I think um, people, and this is maybe just my perspective. I feel like in the conversation, when you think late season, like in the winter, when the snow hits, I feel like guys are just mainly talking about like soybeans is king when when it gets Gra- cold. Grains cold. are great. Um, what's that? Grains are great. Grains, but yeah, then I think like kind of a grain turnips, like the, like you know some of the buck. What's in the buck brunch a little bit? But you, I always think like turnips, um, radishes, radishes, think, stuff like that's that. Because that's what's been publicized. Yeah, right? okay. and that's what's preached. You know, that's what you see on your TV shows. But uh, yeah, I think the, the my point is um, all of those are good. And all of them, I mean, clearly have their place. Right. My point is, don't have the misconception that clover is not good in the winter, and it doesn't have an attractability factor when the, you know when winter gets harsh and all, because they okay. will, they will literally go dig through the snow for clover as much as they will a turnip. Okay, well, that's that's, a, that's good to know. I I didn't know that. That's I really what did. I did this year. There's one plot where I could not get any equipment in in the fall, so I went in before the crops were in till it up put the clover in so then i don't have to worry about it in the fall mm-hmm. and i can get the equipment in there and make it a little bit easier on myself so so i i, I honestly would legitimately just learned a lot because in my head i was thinking and and i i kind of feel a little guilty for not knowing some of this information but i'm glad that i'm learning it here honestly like while legitimately while we're recording because I can do some clover plots now on this piece that I want to do plots on. And um, I bought my little budget tractor and spent a little money on a new tiller. And I'm about to spend a little money on a little 48 inch brush cutter, you know, pull behind three point mower. Um, And now everything that you guys have just said, I'm probably going to do some sort of clover blend through probably the foundation clover or something like that in the fall and probably just try and keep it maintained because Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you guys are right. Like I'm, I can get out a day. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few times a year and mow it and then maybe hit it with some fertilizer or uh, put put whatever it needs on a, a day or here or there. Now, I don't have weeks to do it in the spring, but I, I can get out for a day for sure yeah. and right. do it. And I had never thought of it that way before. And, and I would assume that I'm not alone for people listening. There's probably a lot of people going, oh, shit, I, I didn't know that was a way it could be handled. So And something else that's awesome. about, you know, about perennials you know clover or whatever kind of mix it is is you know it's natural for it to have weeds in it to have grasses in it and some some weeds we were just having a conversation today about ragweed you know do i would i would i let it grow all up in my plots no but i don't even know what ragweed is i'll be honest it is i mean deer love it and it is i mean they have done tests on it and it's It'll draw as much protein as a soybean in a lot. Doesn't of look so pretty, but no. it's not well, hurting well, your. It's not <laughs> make you sneeze. Yeah. And, What's uh, a ragweed? I mean, I'll know I, if I see it. I would know, but like, how would you explain it to someone? Hey guys, sorry, we're interrupting the podcast again. We want to take a quick second and talk to you about our bad, our bad. The new slick trick broadhead, the Asylant. 
Um, I know broadheads are a touchy subject on every internet forum and every bar conversation or hunting conversation. There's been many fist fights over <laughs> broadheads. broadheads. Um, this one <laughs> might catch a two blade. Keep talking like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there there goes that debate. Uh, the assailant is a first in class hybrid style broadhead. So for everyone that's arguing, maybe this is where we all meet in the middle, guys. Maybe this is where we start to get along. Uh, two and five-eighths inch total cutting surface. Um, it features the popular Viper Trick Series field-proven chisel-style tip, um, and it has a inch and three-quarter, an inch and three-quarter expandable head and a seven-eighths fixed bleeder blade. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the the cut of a expandable, the reliability of a fixed blade. So I just thought of a great commercial for them. It's like two guys, a mechanical and fixed guy in a bar about to fight. And the guy breaks it up. He's like, well, I'm shooting both. And they're like, what? How? And he's like, <laughs> throws a pack at him. Like, oh, and then they're all best friends. And the one dude just leaves. <laughs> and all B- buys them both the beer, then leaves. Yeah. And he's out. He's got like a big buck in his back of his truck already when he leaves. Oh, man. And then when he drives away, there's like white mist. <laughs> it's out the window. just flips him pizza. off. Pizza. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um, by the way. There's a ton of broadheads from Slick Trick, but in code WCB works on Slick Trick dot Slick Trick dot net. Um, so there's that. <laughs> there's, there, there's our plug. Uh, the podcast is also brought to you by Huntworth. Uh, HuntworthGear.com. I think Huntworth has been very well known for their gloves in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find their gloves about anywhere. Like Walmart carries them. A lot of farm implement stores carry them that have hunting a hunting section. Um, but I don't think people are f- familiar with yet on their like line of clothing, like their jackets, their hoodies, their their light to heavyweight pant. They have a midweight pant. Um, we put it to the test in Wyoming on our bear hunt. Absolutely loved it. I wore that hoodie the entire time. It has a built-in face mask yeah, in the hood. Yeah, the hoodie's cool. Yep, and then it has badass. two like pockets, like a regular hoodie pocket, and then a zip pocket on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in that thing the entire, the entire week in bear camp. I fell halfway down the mountain, didn't even rip a single... Article of clothing. He didn't. <laughs> nope, not well, one. Last year, I wore a different brand of clothing out in Wyoming, and I was I was uh, mfing it the whole time. Were it you? just wasn't like it was built for only sitting in a tree. Right. And some products are like some certain lines of clothing are. This stuff at Huntworth, I was stoked about the entire time. Like, it's nice when you get clothing that looks good and it's priced right, and you're not you're not mfing it the whole time. And it fits well too. And I like the like on your ass and on your knees is like a different material, so it's like tougher. So if you're sitting on the ground or like kneeling down, yeah, you don't have to worry about nice. ripping your shit up. And it's not; it doesn't like pull. You know, some like cheaper clothing, like they it fits weird or like pulls on you mm-hmm. different. It, this doesn't do that. Nope. I was comfortable, and you kind of want to look good a little bit. You know, hey, you want to fit right. The better you look, the better you hunt. Um, they you're already the, here first. Their one pattern tarning is kick ass. Yep, I'm a huge, huge fan. You guys got to get on there and check it out. Um, right now they have 20% off all items in their summer sale code SMR20. So huntworthgear.com. Go there if you need a camo upgrade or go to their uh, social and tell them that we sent you over and they'll be like, oh, cool. Who? Who? Sick. Who sent- <laughs> we don't know those guys. <laughs> Who sent you over? <laughs> Come again. Uh, the podcast, of course, has been brought to you by HHA for a long time. The We're going to spotlight the new Tetra stabilizers. So you can get your site, you can get your drop away rest, and now you can get a whole setup um, from stable, stabilizers through HHA, which is kick-ass. And also, Thermoseat. And you're probably wondering, how the hell does Thermoseat come into play in the summer? Well, they have a lot of camping gear. They have the Thermo bed for your dog. Um, and right now, they're free shipping on orders, $50 or more, Thermoseat.com. 
Um, they have like the self-support seats for fishing. Mm-hmm. If you're next to a pond or whatever it is. I'm probably going to use mine this weekend fishing for the fourth at the family's pond. There you go. They have the bucket seat, which is amazing. That's a good one for fishing. Swivel bucket seat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you just need a replacement tree stand seat, we carry them at workingclassbowhunter.com with our logo. Love them. Or fuck us and just buy a regular thermoseat one on thermoseat.com, nah, uh, wow. whatever you want to do. Code WCBTS will mm-hmm. save you some money. Um, but, yeah, there it is. And they even have designated fishing cushions. There it is. I mean, look at that. How can you go wrong? I don't think you can. If Catch you, a 10 pounder sitting on that bad boy? Forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. <laughs> Whew. Uh, buddy. <laughs> this is a cool, a cool partnership that we just collaborated with for the summer grilling months. Um, if you're out of wild game or your wife doesn't like it or you just didn't kill a deer or whatever it is, uh, Sumner Point Beef, uh, they are a family-owned company that you basically you go online, sumnerpointbeef.com, and they have different like collection boxes that you can order real beef to your door this hasn't been in a plant and butchered by a bunch of people so if you're going to eat beef this is the way you want to do it especially a lot of outdoor people are all about eating organic and if you're going to buy beef this is the way to do it instead of buying it off the shelf Mm -hmm. at walmart or a big chain grocery store um and they have a a bunch of different boxes you buy it they ship it straight to your door it comes in frozen everything ready to rock um, I mean, New York strip, you, I mean, you can pick whatever you want. They have rib the ground beef box, ribeyes, beef patties, pack, sampler box, family dinner box. Got to go with the ribeyes, uh, the griller box. Um, awesome stuff. It's, they're a local company to us, which is great that we get to help them out and yeah. work with them. Um, and then they're even offering code WCB at sumnerpointbeef.com to save yourself some money. And that's Sumner, not summer. Um, I, I know I, I slur, but that if you need to go, link in our episode description. You can click through and get right to it. Sumnerpointbeef.com. Get your wife a good steak. Get her happy. Get your boys some steaks. And then hopefully you kill an elk this fall and then, or, or whitetail or whatever you're hunting. And uh, you can see. Or more. if you don't, just keep ordering more beef. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to beat a good ribeye, man. That's it is. Right. I like my deer meat and I like all my wild game and I'll, I'll eat it any day. But you put a good ribeye in front of me, I'm going in. Ooh, give me a good prime rib. I'm making Play-Doh snakes. Oh, I'll do prime rib all day. Oh, baby. Uh, we hunted down some prime rib when we were in Jackson Hole. That's, yeah, we couldn't find any. We couldn't find any. But ribeyes. Couldn't find any? We got ribeyes. They were good. No. They were good. I'm going but for prime rib this weekend. Sumner Point Beef. Uh, cook Easy. it out for the summer months and the holidays and lead you right into the fall. So uh, we like to support local. They support us. We support them. So hope you. hopefully you'll give it a try and let us know It's uh, instead of the big... I guess box subscription deals, you know, help, help somebody local and you know, know where it comes from. Yeah. Right. Don't wonder. Um, all right. Back to the episode. Thanks guys. There's I don't, a, it, it's, I don't know how you would explain stalky. it over a podcast other than kind uh, of stalky and it, it, get, it gets really woody. The older, it, the more it matures over the summer. So it's coming up now. And I mean, Google it. Okay. Google it. Yeah. But, okay. um, but not to go down that rabbit trail, but it's just that, you know, obviously if you see it in a magazine, if you see it on a show, if you see it on our, on a, you know, we don't have pictures on our bag per se, but you know, if you see that then on our, on our website, well, we're going to put the best of the best pictures that we can get taken of it, you know, and so is anybody else. Yeah. But, so don't feel like, Oh God, I got a, you know, some grass coming up or I've got, you know, the you know one of the biggest reasons to get the weed and the grass out of it is just to take the competition away from the desired plant. Yeah. Um, you know how many how many ag fields do you go around the edges and there's clover all mixed in and it's just grass 
and those deer will walk those edges and browse. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I think don't, everybody wants that picture plot, mm-hmm. but don't feel like a failure because you don't have that. Um, and just know that, I mean, you, you go out there in the grasses, I mean, is, with all the rain you guys have had, the weeds are popping yep. faster yep. than you can think. Yeah. Um, and you can't get out to spray them. You can't get out there in it. <laughs> However, you know, you might go out there and oh, man, I've got a total loss. But a little bit of herbicide or a quick mow could turn that whole plot around overnight. Yep. I mean, and, uh, and it will bounce back, I mean, quicker than you can imagine. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that that's something that's not really talked about a whole lot is um it's, it's done through picture talking which doesn't paint the realistic picture right don't stress it's like too body much. image <laughs> yeah don't don't stress too much yeah. about a few weeds is what you're saying absolutely right. absolutely hey. and every um, hot chick's got a few weeds boys yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, why made, that's why they made filters hey duck can understand that more than anybody nah. you're gonna have that tramp stamp on most of them Hey, what can you do? Listen, the new tramp saps the underboob tat, but <laughs> but we're not hating. Um, we need a uh, Instagram food plot filter now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. It makes your food plots yeah, it looks it's like, like gold. Yeah, it <laughs> takes all the weeds out for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, great. I love that. Joe, work on that. Joe, I, I'll, I got I'll, it. Yeah, get on that, Mister TikTok. Write that down. I want to. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like the makeup of the blend of the seed. Like, how does you know everything that we've just said that from the build up into it. How do you guys figure out like, okay, you look at a bag of big time, you open it up, you look at your food plot blend and it looks like complicated. There's chemistry <laughs> going on in there somehow. There's colors there's and different size seeds. The hell's going on here? There's colors and rigmarole and all sorts of shit. You can see Joe, little Joe Humphrey heads in there. Just like <laughs> little Jack in the box comes out. Yeah. There's there's a little there. love. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks complicated. If you don't know what you're looking at, there's a blend. It is complicated. How does that come be together? Quite frank, um, but um, <laughs> that's his job. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what he does. He just leaves it. That. That's what I do, and then it <laughs> yeah, moves on. Drop the mic. Top secret. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's trying to identify. You know, again, creating a strategy of what's our end goal with this particular product, um, and identifying the plants that you want to go into that, and what purpose they're going to. Each individual seed plant is gonna is gonna provide for that mix. Um, you know, when 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 the palatability range is gonna be. You know how you know how many days is it gonna be to, you know to to reach you know full growth slash uh, palatability and, and that right. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, is this gonna be a you know do we want this to be a full season type plot where it's gonna have components to last from beginning to end and identifying those and. Um, and that means, like, kind of what you touched on earlier, like the different blends of the plants reach maturity at different times. Mm-hmm. And that's how the deer sift through. Yeah. So it gives the other, just, just like in our in our foundation clover, when we've got an annual clover and um, we've got two actual annual clovers in there, and um, the point of those is, you know, you you hear a lot. Oh, that's you know, if you see a mix with annual clovers, that's they're just trying to chip you off, and you know, they're Put trying some to filler chip. in there. Right. And, uh, no, that's actually serving a purpose to, you know, serve as a nurse crop, you know, why, you know, cause they're again to that concept of marathon and sprinter here, mm-hmm. you know, you've got an annual that's going to try to jump out, make as much forage as it can as quick as it can. So it gives something for that deer to browse on some attractability to that plot while, you know, let's say in the foundation, while your Ladinos are, are developing and, you know, at, at the surface and a lot below the surface and um 
so you know there there's a rhyme to you know and reason to all of it but um you know is it a food plot that you want for for early bow season because a lot of you know a lot of plots a lot of guys come up and say well, what can i have for bow season not a lot <laughs> i mean unless you plant it in the spring and you've got some perennials because you think about you know if you've got like i'm from north carolina I mean, we start the second week of september i don't even plant until the last couple of weeks of september if i've got enough rain i've planted into october before mm-hmm. so i mean you know um Again, that's not under that's some not lack of understanding, and it's not having the right kind of goal in mind. It's it's you know you're more concerned about that small window than the full concept of the season. Mm-hmm. And I um, mean, but in, if if that's the, if that's your point, then I mean, if you planted in in August, you're not how much growth are you really going to have by September? Um, where the deer are, are really browsing in it. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. had some tremendous success with the buck brunch doing that. Mm-hmm. You guys, Joe, you've told me, don't plant that until August. And when you go in and you plant it mid-August and you get a rain on it, man, I've had some, be- I've sent you pictures. Instant. Beautiful pictures of, I mean, it's over a foot tall by the time October 1 rolls around. Yeah. So it's a very realistic goal. If you get Mother Nature to cooperate, you go in there and spread that in. August, mid-August, you could be hunting over that the 1st of October. Everything works out right. That's a good point. I mean, go by the date that's on the bag. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not getting off on a tangent, but it kind of goes in line. You know, They're on the bag for a reason. They're they're on the bag for the reason. (laughs) And I mean, I'm already seeing on the forums and everything, a a guy had us tagged the other day with some lockdown, just planted in PA, just waiting on rain. Dude, you just planted winter peas in June. <laughs> it's not going to I'm not, not knocking work. you, but don't do that. I mean, you don't plant until later because there's a I mean, you could you know, I, I learned a lot from Daryl planting like turnips too early. Um, if you plant too early, it's going to shoot, meaning it's going to seed. They don't eat it after that. Right. So yeah. that we're, we're trying to give you the optimal planting time so they want to eat it right right. when your when your season is but you know but also understand that those those planting dates i mean they're recommendations Mm -hmm. that's the that's your your optimal times but obviously there's more that goes into that that you've got to use your own brain for as far as you know moisture and 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 so on and uh and to don't plant two months early right and that's what i was gonna (laughs) say to joe's point i mean about you know you see a lot of people planting in you know may june even july in a lot of areas other other than the you know on up north um they're they're planting that and, and another down uh, and to me probably the one of the biggest issues with planting that early is by the time that it's that that plant reaches maturity and it's time for the you know it's so fibrous it's mm-hmm. not going to be as palatable right you want sense. that plant trying, you know, and you got to know, you got to learn a little about, about your area when you're, when your first hard frosts are and stuff like that. And kind of, you can kind of back up from that. And, um, so you want to try to time that plant in there where it's hitting its stride and, and it peak palatability mm-hmm. when you're going to be getting, you know, um, your, your first hard frost and, you know, right. and killing frost and so on. And, um, you know, and I see all the time that guys are, wanting these you know volleyball sized turnips and they pull them up and they're plastered all over the internet and they got you know radishes as looks like your calf and so on well that's awesome but to me that tells me you planted it too early 
And they ain't gonna eat it. And then you but really like wood. You really just want it. Well, they can't. I mean, they couldn't pull that radish out of the ground yeah. if they had to. Not as palatable as something that would have been planted at the right time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then you know, so if yeah. that's that big, I know the leaves weren't as palatable, but then. That deer's not going to pull that turnip out. Yeah. Whereas if he's got a... The plant's going to rip off the top. Well, yeah. he'll eat the top of it, and the rest of it will sit in the ground. Right, or he'll yeah. bite it because he can't pull it up and get it in his mouth, and the rest of it sits there and rots, where if you had a baseball size, apple size, that's perfect. He can pop right it out, out and roll it right around and eat it. Yeah. I want to ask uh, two... One question's real... It's not really a question, but I have, I have two things I want to bring up, I guess. Um, I, I feel during this podcast, so I'm going to do... I have a, uh, a, I have opportunity to plant a couple different small kill plots, if you will, this fall. Um, I'm going to do one buck brunch, and now I'm going to do some in, like, foundation clover. Um, and then I'm going to try to maintain those. Like, after just hearing, like, legit, that's what I'm going to try and do. Um, so that being said, you, I'm, like, really excited now. Like, and I'm trying to... I, and I've been talking to my wife about it. Not that my wife, like, limits me, but I just... I, just, I think out loud to try and set goals before, like... There's just so much to do, or I feel like, in my life lately that I'm like, I got, I need to get on this, start mowing stuff. So when I spray and go in, everything's under control. I can do my soil test kit. Now I'm not going to not do that and then get that ready. Um, when it comes to, like, uh, I don't know if this, like, bulb food plot plants, like turnips or radishes, I always hear the rumor of, like, the deer need to find it to know what it is. If they don't find it, they won't eat it because they don't know what it is. Do you guys ever hear that? I, I feel like I, that's a thing I hear a lot. Or it's like once they find it, they'll they'll know it's there. Once they find it, they know what it is. But if, if they don't have it in their area, they don't know what it is, and they won't eat it. I think probably the only thing that I could say to that is you hear some guys say, I planted this, you know, this crop of turnips and radishes mix or whatever, and they didn't even touch it. The field was beautiful. Well, and I think there's a couple of things that maybe they didn't need that food. Mm. They might might not have needed that food source that year. You might have had a mild winter. There might have been something better over here. You don't if you don't know everything. You don't know where they what they were feeding on. If you had a super mild winter, they didn't get that sweet. True. You you have to have a good cold spell to turn those starches into sugar. Yeah, and I I I mean I can't tell you the number of times I've had um, folks come up to me and say, well, they didn't need anything. You know, they didn't need it. I said, well, did you you know did you go back in February or March? Yeah. What did it look like? It was gone. Well, it didn't it, disappear. Right. <laughs> it, you know, they, ate it. <laughs> they just didn't eat it when you you wanted them to eat it. Right. Um, but now I think more to the kind of to your they question. They may have found more sheds, though. Right. I think more so, to. Hey, not um, a bad thing. I planted this plot for a shed spot. Look, at one of our field testers. Hill plots, a shed plot. One of our field testers in North Carolina, I can tell you that he, you know, our weather doesn't get very good for in deer season you know, um, brassica eating, if you will. And, uh, but he plants it every year with that in mind, that, you know, that's going to be his shed hotspot food plot that he's going to go look and he finds a bulk of his food, um, sheds in his, I was just joking know. about that, but I'm telling you, Blake does it. Every, <laughs> they do it in North Carolina. Blake does it every year. Yeah. I mean, and he has a lot of success and, doing and it. Blake is, he's one of our testers. Yeah, Blake does phenomenal. Ooh. He, if he you does put a, a good if job. You came out with a shed blend. You sell that like hotcakes. <laughs> you know, honestly, Ooh, think about that shed blend. I'm just saying, Eric's saying, Doug's saying, Dana Pace would buy it. Dana Pace oh, is yes, our resident WC. He would guy. buy four thousand acres of that shit. <laughs> I, the guy I think likes shed honey more than he likes. Honey. He does. Oh, he, yeah. he said it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I think you know to that comment right there. I think that I, 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 a guy that gets into food plotting, 
and has some success with it, he will. I think he he will in, end up enjoying that. Just to the to your point about the shed hunting, as much as his hunt. Yeah, 100%. hunting it it, 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 makes be, sense. it becomes a whole other game. It sucks you um, in. You become more it, rounded in your. Well, the, the beauty the of game. it is you, you, you know, and this is one thing I, I'm a very, I'm, I'm type of person that I like to see something that I just did. I like to be able to step away and be like, man, I, you know, a finished product and stuff. And I mean, yeah. a, a food plot can be very humbling, but it can be very rewarding. Very rewarding. And, yeah. um, you know, um, you just think about if a guy plants a food plot and then he kills a deer out of it. First right. of all, if he kills, if he grow, if he plants a food plot and he gets it to grow. Well, I he's mean, excited about that, but then if he kills a deer, that's the icing on the cake. You oh, know yeah. I mean? I, I that's think, the that's the best thing too. When you actually you turn up the ground, you put that seed down, and you wait a couple months, and you're thinking about it. I wonder if that's growing or not. And you walk in, and it looks freaking awesome. That's so rewarding. Hey, you know what? I found a hack. You put a spy point over your plot. That's right. <laughs> you can check on it every day. I think. Oh, touche! Shout out to spy point to correlate. <laughs> Kind of to correlate that that food plot, getting excited about it and watching them grow. You know, we've all listened to, to Clint get so excited on the podcast about yeah. finally figure or, or Austin finally figuring out that equation, that pattern for that buck thereafter. Yeah, I think that can go towards the food plot too. Like I planted it for this time, that buck just came out of this plot. It's kind yeah. of, it's the same deal. Well, if you read our yeah. if you saw our twenty twenty one catalog, there's a story literally in there where a guy planted a food plot specifically to kill a deer. It's probably the Clint story. And it, it was the Clint story. Yeah. What, okay. Yep. Forgive me for not remembering his name, but he's I mean, very forgettable, but um, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's very quiet, though. but there you he's go. Quiet, I mean, man. you know, got- um, but I, but to your original question, I think also to tie into that is, you know, if you go out there and you plant a, 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 a food source that that deer's never encountered, I think it's very, you know, legitimate to say that he might not you know he she whatever the deer might not take to it a writ you know right out of the right. gate you know but you know we don't take to every you know new food that's put it's in like front or, of us ordering a new dish from the chinese exactly. takeout place. Uh, right. you know, so and i believe in that i mean you know if, yeah. if um i haven't been to popeyes yet and that's new here <laughs> Just so, if they've never seen it you know again i mean you know who knows what the what how a deer recognizes a they're not going around licking plants. I mean, how do they recognize that it's good and ready and this and that? But yeah. um, sounds like my college days. But I think <laughs> I think most of, I think the biggest part of that is what we've already said is that you know it may have been a it may have been a other food source that they didn't really need yeah. that particularly, well, or they they you had a mild winter and they didn't go right. you know because most most guys when deer season's over, it's on to the next thing. Yeah, right. It might take a, you know, it, the might, average be, it guy. might be, fin- right. It might be finishing out waterfowl season. It might be waiting until shed season. Yeah. Uh, it might be waiting until turkey season. They might not ever see their farm again until turkey season. So, right, right. And then they come back and like, all they remembered is what they saw during deer season and nothing ate it. But like we said, if they come back and it's gone, they're like, they don't think about it then. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause they, they think it just rotted in the ground that fast. Right. <laughs> or so, yeah. Something like that. Tornado almost came through here. <laughs> Turned to dirt. Um, <laughs> Is it fair to say, like, uh, you know, maybe if they're, it's a, like a, for, a new food source to them, but that's like why there's a blend of seed because maybe they're browsing something else and give it a try because it's a blend. Like, is that a, I'm sure that's a thing, right? I mean, there's probably no final word on it. Well, it surely could be looked at like that. I mean, if yeah. you've got a seed that, 
you know, if 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 you put turnips out there and they've seen turnips and you got radishes in there, yeah. I mean, it's there. You know, yeah. they're feeding in that food source. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, even doing the strategy of planting a perennial like clover and mixing in turnips or, you know, something like that, yeah. you know, that, that first fall. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I mean, it's not out of the way to, to look at it that way, for sure. Something I want to ask. Um, okay, so we're talking about the seed, the blends, how it gets put together. And honestly, I don't know how else to ask this, but, like, where the fuck do you get the seed? Like, how the fuck does it end up in the bag? Like, I know you're not, like, hand-making We are, we are seeds. very fortunate to be partnered with a um, a seed grower uh, out west, and uh, we, we, we work directly with them. And they um, they grow a lot of their own seeds, and and, um, and we are very—the partner we, we got with, we, we're very lucky. And um, cause to, they, to the point now where they're calling us, asking us— what should we plant this field in for your blends? Like they're, they're planting oh, wow. fields now. Yeah. They've taken it upon themselves, um, which is great. And I think that they've awesome. seen the commitment to the, to the food plot category that we've made yeah. and, and how well it's, you know, it's, it seems to be taken off that they're already designating fields out there to grow particular crops, you know, for our food plots. And, um, you know, and, they have some of their own um, proprietary developed, you know, it's a big world, it's proprietary and this and that. And, but they, you know, they have some of their own proprietary seeds that they developed and, or, or, you know, now you know, bought the rights to it or, or what, what, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, and we benefit from that, you know, and um, you benefit from those things and versus, you know, nothing wrong with going to a, uh, you know, like a seed distributor and buying them, you know, but, um, you know, we, uh, another benefit that I, you know, that we get is we're able to get, you know, work with them and get, you know, good, you know, better pricing to where we are able to keep our, you know, keep our prices down and still offer a very quality product. Um, and, you know, and, you know, offer our, you know, work with our accounts, offer them the, you know, the chance to make the money that they require, but also keep the retail, you know, down to where you know, it's affordable and, um, and, you know, working with them and knowing that we're putting some quality seed in there. I mean, and, uh, people take it, take for granted, like all everything that goes into it. I think like oh, there's I, yeah. so much that, I mean, and, you know, to your, how we come up with it. I mean, it goes all the way down to the percentages of seed per, you know, seeds in the bag. You know, and even trying to hit your marks on, you know, well, we need we need a half acre, we need it to be this weight, and blah blah blah. I mean, I spent hours counting on seeds the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on the phone with our with you know our seed um, grower, figuring out these percentages and figuring out these mixes. And you know, luckily he's he's very patient with with me, and um, I'm patient yeah. with him too. That's a good point to bring up, and I'm gonna defend you, your honor, for a minute. So like the hours and hours and days that you spend working on percentages. So when when a guy just grabs a couple bags and throws them together, those percentages have been worked out for a very long time. So you metaphorically just mushroom stamp Daryl Cherry in the face mm. by mixing those. You just ruin the whole plan. <laughs> right. Not so, good. Don't mushroom uh, stamp Daryl. Don't mushroom yeah, stamp. Darryl. Don't do that. <laughs> They're blended pissed. already. There are don't a lot blend of people anymore. that would appreciate that. <laughs> you see, you're not doing freaks. But I mean. It, Going back to that, it's on the bag for a reason. Yeah. 
like don't just throw it all together. Like if you want to have a couple different blends out there, cool. Divide your plot like you like were talking. Saying, Kurt, yeah, divide. You know, have Buck Brunch over here and Last End over here. Don't we, just throw they're, they're them. They're blended in the, on purpose. You guys right. already blend them, right? We, and it's, we and do it's that done, for a reason. It's done by a plant population and 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 you know, um, a, a rate per acre when it's broken down. So I mean, you know, because so that these plants have the space that they need to grow and. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's all figured out and it's not you know it's not a guess no it's not a guess and it's not us saying well you know let's keep this one fuck it throw that in there (laughs) you know and and to that point another thing that um and i may be going off track here to the question but speaking to what you're going to see on the seed tag which is going to show your percentages and what's in the mix and all that kind of stuff um Joe brought it up at the very beginning about how many seeds are in a you know a pound of clover, how many seeds are in a pound of radishes, and you know and and so on. And people cannot fathom how many seeds are in a pound of different types of varieties. Uh, I think clover, especially Ladon- clover. <laughs> yeah, Ladano clover has like seven hundred sixty-eight thousand seeds in a pound. What? They're tiny. So that being said, when, you know, you, you, we hear it all the time and, you know, you want to get upset because, you know, people are accusing you of uh, of cheating them or, you know, or competitors now. And it's a big thing that, you know, you, you get your, let's call them uh, an, the garage guy that's going to, you know, the small guy that's going to open up and say, I'm going to sell seed. Hey, well, listen, by the way, you can, you can let out your frustrations on this podcast. <laughs> but, you know, it's just that. <laughs> no. Um, okay. I, I don't want pre- you know, to it's, Sorry. It's, it's just one of those things. They <laughs> don't have the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they might not be, you know, their, their way of marketing in that is to get on social media and trash somebody like us or even even some of our competitors you know right. and uh um, yeah, yeah. That, if your yeah. marketing base is to trash everybody else just say you're the best you probably got something wrong with your, right with your blood you're making up for something and yeah. you're right and then you're, you're, accusing, you're accusing this guy over here of oh they're ripping you off because this maybe by you saying that you might be high what are you hiding you know and and, and um you're but, diverting right but um so if you see you know 10 percent clover on a you know i'm just throwing the number yeah, out yeah. there on that you know i think a lot of people look at the percentages on those bags and they just think the percentages they know from math class well 10 percent is lower than 70 percent, so i don't have any of that in there but you know when there's Hundred and some thousand. I might be off my number. Seeds of, per of no one's going to know. But there's seven hundred sixty-eight thousand Ladinos. Your percentage is going to be smaller, right? It yeah. should, but be. you're going to have a lot more seed in that bag of that particular variety. Mm. I think one of the the lessons I learned from you early on, when when we were doing some of our first blends, that I never took into consideration was when we were talking about, okay, we're going to have this seed, this, or these, we're going to have clover in there, we're going to have turnips in there. But then you're taking into consideration when a turnip matures, how much space it takes compared to that clover, and that's also going in to factoring how much of each is going to be in that bag too. Yeah, the ratio has to be right. Because you, you want it perfect and not choking each other out. It's right. supposed to be compatible with everything. Mm-hmm. God, there's a lot into this, ain't there? God, it's so interesting. Like, I'm in, really, in, and this is food plot nerd stuff i'm really enjoying Dude, this. I, i'm telling i mean like lockdown per se i mean I, and i know i'm giving you kudos and kissing your ass but you've got a review coming up so consider this your review 
<laughs> That's me. But like, yeah. <laughs> you got to keep your job. <laughs> but like having having a spring pea in there because they're going to eat that spring pea to allow the winter pea to mature. Right. Like th- there's so much. There's a science to it. It's not just you're throwing a bunch of random shit in a bag. No, that's my job. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, if you want to label it as science or just putting the hours in and, you know, and gritting it out. I mean, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's. Yeah, uh, somebody already took of, that phrase, seeds of science. We can't use that. <laughs> science of seed. But, uh, yeah, there's, <laughs> a, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. So, hey, working uh, class, throwing shit in a bag. <laughs> Just do, what you're, just do what you're told. We told you so. <laughs> yeah, listen, we put it here for a reason. Less math for you. Um, let's let's talk about, you know, the seeds in there, the blends, like the amount of seeds, all that. A lot of guys will see, like, coating in there or whatever it may be. What, what, what's up with all that? All right. So, you know, there's a that's another popular smear these days, if you will, that, you know, it gets under your skin because – no, by no way. Me, you know, we're nobody's trying to rip you off. We're not. I mean, I, I, let me just speak to us. We're not trying to rip you off. But um, you know, these guys will say, "Well, coating, and they're you know, you're getting less seeds per pound because it's coated." And um, is but, it because the coating adds weight? No, yeah, and the, well, the coating does add weight to the bag um, to your, but it's it's. It takes away from your percentage of seed, if you will, um, mm-hmm. by, by, you know, if you, but however, on legumes, let's say clover, the, the coating is pretty critical to carry, you know, your, um, bacterias that you need, your inoculant bacterias that you need because a clover, you know, create or legumes create their own nitrogen, but they need that bacteria to, you know, activate in the soil and, in the, and to create that process. So you, you need it as the carrier in that but there's you know there's i mean we coat our brassicas um and um, a lot of people say oh why would you need that you don't have inoculant but there's there's other reasons to that too um meaning that um it it is simple as flowing through a cedar flowing through a drill it's going to be denser so it's going to you know it's going to it's going to flow and um, you know we add we add colors to the to the coating, and you can see it visibly see it if you're broadcasting it, and you know, and so on. That's the um, main reason why the color is there. Or I'm maybe I'm missing that, but that's the main reason we put the colors on there. Right. You know, we gotta keep visibility. track of them when we count it. Invisibility. <laughs> um, you don't number. You count every bag, right? Yeah. And you know, another nice. thing, people don't the people that are saying this about coating that it costs money to do that. Oh yeah, you coding, just do coding it to, very so we're not expensive. doing it just to do it. It is not a cheap process. So, okay, you know, well, well, I, I'm not going to get into any details. If you listen to our library podcast, we've had other uh, food plot companies basically, and I'm not quoting exactly say that like coding was like a ripoff, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like, but your point right there, it, that's a great point. You're not spending extra money just for the fucking hell of it. No, right. You know, but but I think one of the probably other than your you know carrying an inoculant or something like that, but something else that uh, and there's a lot of things that can be added into that coating if you're you know planting alfalfas and stuff like that that need to be added in there. But uh, you know, a a, a raw seed a, a coating is going to encompass that seed, so it's going to take enough moisture to break down that coating. To get to the seed to create germination. Mm-hmm. So it's like oil dry. 
I guess. It sucks up moisture. <laughs> yeah. So the that's a very that, working class. It's like a the most working class moisture. thing. I like where your head's at. <laughs> Eric, give me an ups on that because there's only. Hey, that, I mean, that's what. Dude, that's he what literally does. lit up over here because he could, he could just go with it. Hey, you, you oil dry. It. <laughs> it's like oil dry. That's for Eric. <laughs> But take these buttons away from me. <laughs> the way to look at that is that you're, you know, if you've got enough moisture there to to wash that seed coating, you're you've got a more optimal environment around that seed as far as moisture. Yeah. To have enough for it to germinate and grow, and yeah. and and it's gonna in that and that clay, you know, the the coating is gonna hold moisture there. Whereas you know you're still gonna need some follow up moisture. Whereas right. You know, if you've got seed out there and you say if you had some moisture in the soil or, you know, even in the fall, you're going to get heavier dews and stuff like that. You, it doesn't take a ton of moisture to start the germination process. But then if you start that process, there's no turning back. So if you start that process and then you go dry and, you know, the seed dehydrates and, you know, you've already started that cellular process of breaking, it's over. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, another benefit of the seed coating, and I mean, there's, there's studies. I mean, Cornell's got a really good study. Kentucky's got a, has done a good study. I think Auburn there's, I mean, the information is out there that why, I mean, these research around university studies that are showing you the benefit of seed coating. And, yeah. and, and I mean, it lists, it's not just us making it up and saying, cause we, right. we think so. It's not, it's not to just please it's, the eye for no reason. Right. As long as it's the right percentage. I mean, there is that, that happy median of, well, you don't you look cross at these, the, if it's and, 70% coating. Yeah. I mean, you look yeah, at these, you, you look at these right. studies and they're every one of them that I've ever seen, they're going to cite 34% coating, which is where most of your seed guys are going to, tell you that it's the right coating can you do less you can can you do more you can um you know and i've seen people on their clover say well you know 34 is too much and you look at theirs and it's like six or ten percent coating you know well if it, it's it could flake off i mean you know these things get beat around you know think about but also think about that um either raw or that light of a coating, you know, that is, is if it's going through a drill, if it's going through a broadcast spinner, you know, it's, it's less protection for that seed. That seed could get damaged. I'm not saying that's a really, really common problem. You need like but, the coating durability to like make sure by the time it hits the ground, it's, it's another protectant. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a protectant somewhat, uh, for it's really the seed. insurance. So that, you know, Ooh, that's a good mm-hmm. way to put that. So, I mean, uh, and, you know, another, another thing, I mean, these, some of these studies, all these studies cite is you, you put out, yes, you're going to be putting out less seed, mm-hmm. but the plant survivability is higher with coated seed. It makes up for it. So, I mean, it would beg the question, do you want to put out more seed or do you want to have more plants? Wow, that's right. I like that, man. I mean, you know, I'm writing that down. It's a good um, way to put well, it. A good point to, to exactly what you just said. There's a company out there that just completely bashes coding every day, all day, nonstop. That's all he does. To our our foundation, Clover will take that. It's a 34 percent coating. It takes four pounds to cover a half acre. His blend takes. 10 pounds to cover the same coverage. Whoa. Ten, a half acre. How can you have the 
the argument. There's that, no argument. There is no right. Argument. Do the math on it. I mean, you're having to plant more seeds for the equal amount of germination. More than double. More than double. Quality so, over quantity. Yes. Can you repeat the numbers on that again? Four versus ten. Four, four to ten, yeah. Wow. Four pounds. And I'm not, you know I don't name it, names. It, yeah, you know of course. I but, yeah, we're not here to do that. But how right can now. you say? But if you want to. You're but getting you cheated for having a coated seed. Ours isn't coated, but you have to plant 10 pounds. You're, getting, you're, you're saving more money and you're getting more out of it. Okay. And, and one of our guys went around and around until he eventually got kicked off the forum <laughs> with him because of, because basically we called him out and hey. You know, like, hey, here's the Cornell University study. Cornell's way too classy for me to even you know spell. But yeah, once you hear it, you're just like, oh yeah. shit, <laughs> yeah. But I do think the biggest thing to me is what that last statement of what do you want, plants or more seed? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, and I, I think it's you know I think that people are listening that are listening to the the folks that are saying oh well you're getting ripped off you're getting ripped off well the people that are putting thirty four percent coating and it's not just us we're not over here saying you know spending all of our energy and time saying well you know you're getting ripped off by them because of this. That's because you know, we're too busy selling. You're focused on what you're doing. Yeah, and, <laughs> I mean, but why? First, why getting that that right. back and that forth anyway? Match. But um, you know, we have confidence in what we're doing. We know that we're doing it the right way. We're not trying to rip somebody off. And yeah, and um, you know, but I think people should should take a, take a hard look at that. And if you know, if somebody's trying to call out other people. What are they? You know why? Yeah. What? What's, what, what? What are you calling out? Yeah. You know, where's Where's the integrity in that? And I mean, look. Right. I mean, competition's healthy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, it is good. But slander's yeah. not. Right. You know. Right. And and you know. So I, you know, I would just encourage people to, you know, make some choices and you know don't do do a little bit of research just because a guy says it. You know, we we were just talking about somebody in the industry a while ago, and we we according to the internet, he was 155 years old. He died in 1994, but he's still alive. I'm alive. Guy just keeps going. That's pre-podcast conversations we had at the in the green room bar. But um, I didn't know what the fuck you're talking about until you got into it. That's so funny. But not to go too far down that road. It's just that you know the the, the main thing is that we call out the benefits of the coding and, and and it is backed up. Right. Not by just our word; it's backed up by university studies. So, right. if well, you want to go out there, do a quick do a quick Google search of benefits of seed coating, and it's there. It's not just a claim. No, not just. Well, I'm just not. talking to you from what we talked about today. Is like you're not going to waste your time to put out a shitty product just to try and screw people. You know what I mean? I'm not going to waste my money either put, right. putting on coatings and because like that, that has they, no. They cost. They're not cheap. Right. Yeah. It, what it, right now? Um, just hearing you talk about how like into all this you are, what are some blends that like you're really excited about right now and, and, and why? Um, that would be our test blend. Okay. Well, we can't talk, <laughs> oh, no, we, we can't, can't probably talk about, talk about that, no, but, but in line, I would say, you know, the shed blend. on the market blends, <laughs> I would say foundation and lockdown have been, um, the biggest successes. I mean, Buck Brunch is, I mean, is, is a very good solid skew for us, you know, mm-hmm. but it's been around and it's, um, that was the original. 
it's it's got a good it's got a market yeah. name already. So I mean that wasn't you know we did some tweaks um, to it, it. It's so big because we've you know we really love right. it. Yeah, right. We, we noticed the tweaks over the years too. So yeah, like we really been, we've been <laughs> feeling it because we're we're really the name behind that blend. You know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus, so, <laughs> where's the wah 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 button? <laughs> there it is. Oh, wow. I hit it twice. There yeah. it is. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for that. But you know, another mix that really hasn't gotten you know and it, it, we had some um issues with supply issues but not not the fault it was our own fault um last year for long range but um if you'd asked me that question last year like what are your favorite two mixes i would have said foundation and long range mm-hmm. and um, it, it changes but the lockdown has just been very it has been a very good seed mix that people are having a lot of good luck with it, it. was it was kind of the sleep when we came out. If, I mean, if, to the same question, I think if we were going to rate what we were going to have as the top and everything, I mean, we knew foundation was going to be hot. I mean, we had tested everything. We knew what we were putting on the market. We're not going to put a bad product out. Mm-hmm. We knew foundation was going to be solid, and it is money. Found or lockdown would not have been my number two. To your point, mm-hmm. I mean, and it hit the market last year and exploded. Loaded. Just take off running. Yeah, and, and that's the you know, a, another piece of this puzzle that we're talking about. We have to guess what's gonna be best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meaning we can't just be like, oh, we're getting low on this, let's make some more. Like right. we have to have our seeds for the right planning for the, year. For the there, there, year. There's money to be spent before you sell it. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean well, lockdown. You, you gotta get numbers in early. Because they're planting. You're thinking, I mean, these are crops. They're asking right. us what right. they're planting. It's plant. just like corn. And, you know, and then we have to pray that this here, drought right. ends where they're planting our seeds for next year. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's what, I mean, what was it, two weeks ago? We're we're literally doing our estimates for next year because they're like, all right, we got to start planting. And they got to get seed in the ground probably. Yeah. What a complicated yeah. well, market. Well, it, it, seed's in the ground now. Yeah. Right. That's what, what you're, you're, what you're you... looking at, though. And I mean, and that, it's a moving bar thumb in the, in the fact that, you know, um, with out west where they grow a lot of these types of seeds in the upper, upper west, um, northwest, they're having just unprecedented weather right now. It's just super hot and dry. And right. Um, New records every day. 115 degrees yesterday, I think. It's it was. been like that for like two weeks, two or three weeks. And I mean, it's. Um, you know, and there's going to be, um, seems like we're in a vicious cycle of shortages these days, but, yep. mm-hmm. um, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be certain seeds that, are, you know, it's not just going to be our seeds. It's going to be across the board on the market that there's going to be seeds that, I mean, you know, you better be first in line and lock up your, what you want. Mm-hmm. And because the price, you know, is supply and demand, I mean, they're, 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 the harvest aren't going to be good. Um, and they're already predicting that. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's dealing with all that. And, um, I mean, I don't like, I don't like throwing to the, to the vlog. I don't like throwing poop on the wall, I guess is what it said. (laughs) You can say shit. Shit on the wall. wall (laughs) He won't do it. But, he called the shit poop. Allison <laughs> <laughs> called it that. I would have at least said crap on the wall. Poop on the wall. But, uh, you want me to write a blog? You know, I'll say shit on a blog. I don't. I don't you like guess, I don't like guessing. Yeah. You know, we. You know, um, you know. I want 
we want it to be is, I mean, obviously from a financial standpoint, we have to do the best we can mm-hmm. you know, for our company, but, um, you know, we, we want to try to hit that mark where we can have the seed and we can, you know, uh, the worst thing we wanted to have last year, we sold out a lockdown, a long range. That was a great problem in the fact that people took to it, but we missed a lot of sales because we, you know, we went a different direction, you know, and we should have gone this direction and right. we bobbed when we should have weaved, I guess. But, um, well, the really last year, the, I think the, the word got out on long range on what it was and the blend itself. And, you know, we do a lot of work with outfitters and they gobbled it up. Yeah. I mean, it, and when your outfitters are hitting you that hard on it that fast, that tells you a lot. This is their business. This is their livelihood to get right. people on deer and kill them. So when they look at that, be like, that's what I want. I mean, that that's, we knew we had a good one. Yep. And like you said, you know, we sold out quick and then lockdown was the next in line. I mean, just two solid blends. Hey, something while I'm thinking of it, I don't want to, we kind of, we mentioned this in a little bit of detail when it comes to entry and exit and access and planning for your plots. And Chandler, you brought up like borderline and, you know, you can take a flat spot and make it more accessible. Um, I don't want to skim past like what is actually in the borderline blend. I feel like that's important. Like what are the benefits? Does it also double as a feed? Is it only a cover crop for entry and exit? Like what's, is there any benefit besides entry and exit to the the blend? There are feed components to it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just like when the sorghums that are in it, when they head out, I mean, there's a food source there. Um, You know, the sun sun hemp that's in it. Yes. That can be, you know, that's a food source also, but, um, the the goal is to get in height out of it. It's not necessarily a food source. And by the, you know. It's, it's it, one thing if they nip at it. You you don't want them browsing on it. We don't want them to browse it down. Because it ruins it. the point of it, right? right. Yeah. I mean, it, no, it, if, if they nip on the sun hemp, it actually bushes out a lot more. That's what I noticed that at the, if the it, test. Yeah, I mean, if you were planting, if you're planting sun hemp straight, you know, for. Sun for, hemp? Yeah for a for a crop per se i mean if you you know if you wanted to be a food source the best thing to do is go out there and keep it mowed down mm-hmm. you know two or three feet tall and they would just eat i mean just mow it down yeah they won't really it's it's an aggressive enough plant that they don't really mow it down too bad but they you know they'll keep the tops eating out of it which i mean that's no different i mean they're eating the tops out of the beans and i mean mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you, you know that's the benefit of mowing your clovers to keep the you know, now, the it, tender growth and so it's on. borderline. It is. I'm assuming to get the height out of it, it's something you'd want to plant more in the spring. Yes, um, yeah. you know, pretty critical when your soil temp, not your air temp, which is very different and but very important. When your soil temps around 60 degrees, um, you want to get that in the ground. And what, what was that off the wall equation that you gave me to determine your? A, a rough oh, estimate yeah. of your soil. It's uh, when you can get a, an average of your daytime and nighttime temps around 140. So you're looking at about an 80 degree versus 60 degree nighters or something in those in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, rule of thumb if you don't have a soil temp probe or something, you know, you're probably in a safe zone. Or but I mean, you know, if you're or looking if they're at, planting corn, if, they're, you yeah, if, you get, if you see guys planting corn, your your soil temps getting up there right. close to where you want to be. That's right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Which is probably yeah. the easiest. I mean, there's always going to be some corn. I'll be uh, the the one thing that I'm the most bummed about that I didn't get. Uh, like as far as my food plots are concerned, I didn't get my borderline in like I wanted. Like I had big plans for it, and I feel 
I mean, it might be a month before I get the implements I want for my little Yanmar John Deere to get some of that in. And it, so say I get it in um, late July, borderline. Is it too late? Like, am I going to waste my time? Uh, I'm going to price it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, if it was first of June, mid-June, I'd probably say you'd be okay. Mm-hmm. But um, end of July is getting pretty late in there. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, to get the height that. I mean, you know, and that's what uh, another, that's I talked to Joe about it. I'm like, if, if you want a if you want a one foot wall, yes, <laughs> I can <laughs> crawl, but <laughs> yeah, belly crawl. Yeah. I'm pretty good at crawling. But, you know, something too that's I mean, and it it's uh, someone's bag as a recommendation is when you know, you get your borderline coming up. Um, when it's you know six inch, four or six inches tall or so, you know, which Joe just did the other day, you know, I had a hard time with that too. You go out there and hit it with some nitrogen, um, thirty four oh or something like that. You know, twenty five pounds to a half acre or something. You don't have to load it on there, but it it's, it gives it a good nice jolt. Mm-hmm. He, um, he had to give me a, a pep talk because I've got this thing where if I plant a plot, I don't want to step in it because I might break a plant. Right, <laughs> and he's, but but I, I get that. I'm, I'm gonna go out there and I'm a I've got my shoulder spreader and uh, I'm gonna go out and spread. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I, I feel horrible. I'm knocking some plants. Down. So Joe's got stilettos. Got to look on. at it like a farmer, Joe. You'll be fine. Yeah, you got to look at it. I know what you're gonna. The go greater ahead. good, man. I know. You got to look at the greater. That's what Daryl's like, Joe. I, I can't do a good Daryl. I can do a Philip Benderpool. I can't do Darryl. <laughs> that Joe. The benefit that you're giving these plants is going to be better than you stepping on one sun hemp. It's okay. Just just go. <laughs> and uh, knock. I mean, but I get I get was, what you're saying because you. It think, just makes me feel bad. You think you shouldn't be in it. Yeah. Right. You know? it's like the forbidden fruit. Like forbidden, I don't want to knock stuff yeah. over that I'm growing. And yeah. By the way, I don't know if you can smoke sun hemp, so you can step on it. You can't. <laughs> you can't. All it's sad. Such horrible. Hey. <laughs> I can't. I kept telling Kurt I was going to plant my whole front yard in uh, borderline so my neighbors couldn't see what I'm doing. <laughs> Funny story about sun hemp, though. <laughs> For some reason, when Eric told me that, like, I laughed too hard at it. Yeah, you thought it was the most funniest thing ever. It was, like, the best thing in my life at the moment. I When when we first decided we were going to use sun hemp, I planted some behind my house because, as we've talked before, my neighbors are assholes and hunt the line. Mm-hmm. And so I planted a bunch of Your it. Your old right man? The line. Not my old man. <laughs> no, he's your neighbor. He is my the other. <laughs> that neighbor. is true. Okay. Um, not, I planted a bunch of sun hemp, and I called my co. I'm like, just so you know, this is what because I didn't know what it looked like at the time. Daryl was just like, plant this; it's going to be great. And I, called, I was like, hey, I planted a bunch of sun hemp. So if you guys are flying the helicopter, it's not. It's not the chronic weed. <laughs> it's just sun hemp, and he's like, uh, okay, Joe, that's that's cool. That's fine. Whatever. He's like, why you call? Why you call me? Why you call me? It's it's literally in your ditch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, another benefit too. While we're on borderline, just to throw. Out he just there. kept on going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's why I'm here. The real MVP. It's um, you know, we did some tests on on this last year, and it, it and we it was actually planted next to a competitor's type of um borderline concealed type screening screening. screening. Yeah, you guys. That's what I'm looking for. But we planted it specifically as a, a, a bedding type cover area, not as a barrier. And um, you know, the side by side was that they they picked ours over the other. Um, and I think that was just a compliment to the mi- the mix of seeds that are in there and the plant varieties that are in there. That it wasn't so 
rigid that they couldn't walk through there. And the, um, the millet that we've got in there is, um, is not a stalky millet. And so it gave them a good ground cover. I mean, cause is the, a millet just like a type of grass or it would be in that family. Yeah. I mean, like a sorghum a, family. Yeah. Um, well, it's sorghum, sorghum family. It's got kind of a head to it. Corn's, yeah. corn's in the sorghum family, right? Looks, I mean, am I wrong on that? I think they're actually considered in the grass family, but um, they are what they are. I guess you'd say whatever. <laughs> am, I, am I looking too it, far it, into it? I was hoping you'd it is what it is. Too far. Too far. But, um, you hey, know, fuck th- me, right? When we when we <laughs> created that, I mean, if you were to if you were to plant borderline and have it come up successful and all, you you would see that it was strategically where you've got plants that are going to get this tall, this tall. You know, it stages all the way up so that to make it thicker. Right, you know, to, it's creating to, a screen. Yeah, to say you it's can't true, see because yeah, you you can still get through it. Right, it's, right. It's all intertwined and intertwined and infused. But, um, <laughs> thanks for the Joe Dirt reference. You know, you're with, welcome. Daryl just like rocks through all our dumb shit. <laughs> he <dude. did. laughs> It just keeps going just, like I, nothing. I love it. I love it. Like I mean, that's what we need though. We need this type of guest that's just like yeah, they're dumb. Someone to keep and, us in check and so on. We're going back to the seed. Just it. say it. You're borderline t- is the mullet of big time. Oh damn! Oh, gee whiz! Come on, he's uh, cringing. <laughs> Lush. Maybe the bulk cut. So, what is? Uh, explain to me your emphasis on the mullet. There's no. Uh, Here, there's no. There's no business. All all Joe, Joe, let me come into this. How good is the mullet? I'll disagree with your um, your analogy there. Okay. I feel I feel that a mullet is something that you don't give a shit about when you grow it, whereas I feel borderline is very thought out and uh, cared about when it comes to oh, a mullet oh, is very yeah, thought yeah, out. I no, disagree. No, I, I, I don't think maybe I, butt brunch should be hey, a mullet. That's what I was trying to say. I care about all of them. Right on. Mullet, where it's business in the front, party in the back. We're talking about foundation and butt brunch, right? Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm more on board with Daryl on this because I feel a mullet. <laughs> You know, if you're going to, like, what would you consider the mullet and ACD soundtrack to the big-time family? Because I'm not on board with either. I had a mullet back in the day, and I don't need to go back, you know? And nobody needs to really listen to ACDC. You had either. one when you were three. That's what I'm saying. Kentucky Waterfall, El Camino. Well, when you have it as up? an older person, you actually take care of that. Listen, thing. take care if, of it. If you grow up mullet and wear pit vipers, you don't get any pussy, and I said it. So what's up? God dang. Jesus. You just I, pissed a lot of people. Oh, what's off. up? You got hey dudes on too? Whoa! How'd I guess that? Oh, Goddamn! <laughs> nice. I've got hey dudes. How, how original? <laughs> Am I right, Joe? I like hey dudes. <laughs> hey, listen, they're I just, comfy. I just hurt everyone's Did we just feelings. Exit on out TikTok. of the hunting. Yeah. Did we just exit out of the whole hunting industry. Yeah, we were just a different realm. Remember the people you're talking to, Kurt. Yeah. Hey, listen, I'm sorry. That's just not- <laughs> speaking of which, though. Thank you for reminding me. I have an offer. I would like to sit down and actually interview you. Okay. Just me and you, one-on-one. I'm in. The lights will be dim. Mono, okay. much, mono. Much more dim. Hey, listen, everyone, listen. I'm just going through some things. We're, <laughs> we're going Midlife to crisis. Um, explore and evaluate your hatred of ACDC. It's the worst rock band of all time. No, we'll get mm. into that later. Mm. It'll be another podcast, me and you. Okay. I, I really want to do it. What? We can do it tonight. We have the equipment. We can do it right after this. With warm old Milwaukee's. <laughs> <laughs> 80s Metallica was around. You chose to listen to ACDC. I listened to Says everything, man. It's character. a good call. I, I would be listening to ACDC, Metallica, and Mark Chestnut all on the same burnt 
because not burnt Listen, cassette. Like, well, it was before CDs. Sorry, like, Daryl, but I got to make a point real quick. We're back to Daryl. This is what we do: twenty songs, mixtape, one ACD song, ACDC song, acceptable. More than one. I would agree. No, I would Out agree with that. We're on the same page, and we just didn't know it. No, you made it sound no. like ACDC is the worst ever. You're never the same seven are. songs get played on the air. I think that's they where are. you're going with this. Oh, they're okay. terrible. Let yeah. me ask you this, and then we'll get back to Daryl being serious. Okay. <laughs> Daryl Rills back. My whole family says for I'm always three hours, you had to listen to one of two bands, three hours straight, in this room by yourself. ACDC or Chumbawamba? I don't know Chumbawamba. Yes, no, do. that was the actual song. No, that was the band. They, one yeah, they only had one album. So, well, there's only one song you'd listen to. Well, one that everybody that, knows. I get oh, knocked down. Yeah. Oh, uh, ACDC. <laughs> Thank you. All right, he acknowledged it. All right, Daryl. Back to you. Back to you. That was one song. Just hey, it's just like, it's like <laughs> what just happened. Tub thumper. Tub thumper. Yeah, throw that in there. Sorry, Daryl. Tub thumper. See, I was really interested in everything we're saying. Then he got me an ACDC. <laughs> I'm good now. I'll play Thunderstruck with you, and that's about it. We'll meet there. Halfway point. Podcast doesn't need to happen now. Shoot the thrill. Big balls. Mm. Terrible. <laughs> Fucking terrible. <laughs> Suck it up. Listen to better music. Daryl just left. Eric, can I get a beer? <laughs> He's walking to North Carolina. <laughs> Black Sabbath with the round, and people are listening to ACDC. I've got an Uber coming, yo. What the fuck? <laughs> come back. <laughs> Daryl, you like Daryl, please come back. Hey, he's in New Windsor. I he's actually got, like, do not. You, thank you. I actually hey. do not. Not because we're talking about it. I do not like ACDC. I'll give you, you this. If I had to choose between Pantera or ACDC, I'm going with Pantera. Mm. That's my point. That's what I'm getting at. But that doesn't mean that ACDC sucks. Right. They do suck. But they don't. Here's the thing. He wore a skirt. One one, (laughs) ACDC did? Didn't he? Wasn't it a kilt? It was a kilt. Well, hey, listen. Fuck that guy. I mean. (laughs) So did William Wallace. You're not going to call him a bitch. Hey, I'll I'll admit this, Joe. ACDC. Yeah, hold your tongue about William Wallace. Every 20 songs, one ACDC song. Generally a crowd pleaser, but not for me. Okay, that's it's not for me. Skateboarding bitch. <laughs> hey, <listen. laughs> hey, say that for the, say that for the late night podcast. Jeez, eighties Metallica, Pantera, Tool. I mean, Tool's a little later. Tool, but I mean, you just don't even with... get started on this. We that's a whole nother podcast. I, it's a good one. I think we need to do that. I agree. All right, save it for yeah, Daryl. Back to you, man. Daryl, we. Ha- I mean, I, I'm fired up now. Daryl, we hate ACDC. Daryl, like, I'm sorry to interrupt this intelligent conversation we've continue. been having for two hours for Joe to interrupt for six minutes on Proceed. Uh, terrible eighties rock. ZZ Top. End of discussion. Continue. Gang, gang. All right, I'm in. But I mean, what? I mean, really, what? Really don't like them. <laughs> I, I, I hate him. Well, what else is there to cover, man? I feel like we we did the soil test thing was great. I'm glad we broke that down. I really learned a lot there. But I feel like we covered a, a lot of very, um, and I, I don't want to say just like working class questions, but like generalized um, concerns when it comes to people who are mostly uneducated about like food plot specifics when it comes to blends, what to plant, when and why. Um, access is definitely like once you get all, well, it's number one, cause that's where you decide where to put your stuff. But I feel, you know, as much as anything else, that is probably just as important as like the soil test and all the other logistics. Like it kind of goes hand in hand because if you did everything perfect, but it was in the wrong spot, then you're kind of like, what the fuck? Why, why did I, why did I do this? And I, and I, what's sad is I think a lot of people won't realize that they might've, um, messed up on the specifics of location of their plot and they tend to blame other things 
um, just because you walk in the dark, walk in in the dark and out in the dark doesn't mean that deer don't know you're you're going in there. And I feel like that's a, a huge thing. Like we did we did a podcast last summer about um, basically entry and exit and scouting with Mark Jury, and he breaks a lot of that down. And I feel like that really just blows onto like the number of deer you see and the quality of deer you see is pressure and access. Right. Um, and I, I access is pressure. It, that you know it is it is the same thing but i people put this work into the food plot thing and i feel like they almost think it's like a band-aid over how often they're out there well i think now i think too um that you know just there's there's apps now that you can really you know become familiar with your ground but i you know we spent quite a time a bit of time on soil tests but um you know one thing is to get to know your dirt and by that i mean um, or get to know your ground, you know, figuring out, you know, not just, you know, what your pH and your NPK requirements are, but figure out what kind of dirt you have. I mean, soil matters. I mean, you know, if you go, if you've got sandy soil, I mean, guess what? You're not going to need clover there because it's not going to do as do very well. You're going to need, you know, figuring out what type of soil. And then, you know, you got to take a little bit of time to educate yourself, you know, um, to figuring out like, um, you know, what type of soil you got and what plants go best with that particular type. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, and we say it on the bag and we say it on the website and that kind of stuff. So the information's there, but, um, I think that a byproduct of that is, um, by getting out there and, and studying your ground and, and, and figuring out, you know, your soil and all that, you're going to, it's going to pay off in other ways because you're going to be more familiar with your farm. You're going to learn your deer, Mm-hmm. movements and patterns and you know behaviors that much you know better and then um and then you know now that we've got products like borderline you can even manipulate their travel and um we were just talking that's to the it. next level i mean starting to manipulate where they come out at sorry kurt you're good <laughs> i'm still worked be better snap at you if you can pinch them to where you need them to be right. it, it's I a mean, bow hunter's dream you know i mean 10 years ago it was just just plant the plot now right. it's okay. Let's put the brassicas here and the clovers here. Now it's all of a sudden. Now we got the screening and the funneling, and now we're going to channel them down here. Yeah. And you're, you're telling the deer where you're they're going to go. If you don't have any trees or anything to fall to bend them, you can literally plant in a triangle and pinch them to the tip of that triangle to make them walk around it and yep. kill them right on that point. Yep. I mean, well, that borderline you can use it just to hide yourself or to funnel that deer to where you want it to go. Well, uh, very, you know, very wait effective. till you guys see what we did on the test plot. <laughs> a very effective strategy. To own with the borderline is you know, and we were just talking with somebody today. They planted at a big wide open field, and they took borderline and planted it from one side to the other, and let it you know grow up whatnot. And they put a bow stand on each each end of it so they could play winds. Within right before the season, the they mowed off the ends of it. Well, the deer that the borderline was thick enough, the deer weren't really going to walk through it. So they would come, but they couldn't see on the other side. Obviously, they would walk these. They would walk right around the ends. To your point about the triangle and creating mm. that gap. And um, last year was it? They filmed. Yeah, it had to be last year. They filmed a whopper come out in the food plot. I mean, just walked right around the, the tip and walked all the way. You know, I mean, and they got it all. They were lucky enough to get it all on film. But um, you know, creating. You know being strategic with it. But, uh, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think a byproduct of, of food plots back to that is it's going to make you a better hunter on mm-hmm. your own ground. Right. And, um, you know, 
you might plan a food plot here this way this year and you might learn from your mistakes you might make a mistake but be willing to you know recognize that and you know always be back to learning you know willing to learn Mm-hmm. but um you're not going to get it right on the first year no 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 and it's um it's part of the fun of it though it is it's it not is. a one have year that always done. learning mentality oh, yeah. Yeah. For, Keep going. for me there's nothing more gratifying than hunting a deer all season long failing on him hunting him in the timber and then in the late season you just back off and you sit over your work that you put in that summer and watch 20 30 deer come out to your work and kill that deer on that plot. I mean, for me, to me, that's like the ultimate. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the more time and effort you put into it, the sweeter it gets, gets once you see your yeah. success. You created and, that food. And I think Which a I lot think of we people, were talking about when you walked out while ago that, you know, food plots are, you know, the visual reward that you get from it, that I did that, yep. you know, and then yep. if you kill your target deer or whatever deer in it, it's just that much icing, more icing on the cake that, yeah. you know, you can really see the fruits of your labor. Yep. Well, I think guys think, um, you know, any, it's like short-term success. Like, I'm put it in right here, boom, then it's, like, done. Where I really it's like a buildup of, you know, a full season of you hunting. If you really do put your time in and you're diligent and careful about your entry and exit and pressure, you see deer do a lot more things out in the open than you would normally like. I don't fuck around in the timber like anymore because I've learned like on my property, I'm not saying it's not a, a generalized term on where I hunt, I don't fuck around the timber. And I've noticed a huge change in seeing deer and seeing bucks in daylight. Like I tagged up for my first time ever last year before November. That's never happened to me before, but it's because I'm kind of rerouting how I do things as far as pressure is concerned and going into this year, um, having that, new entry exit mindset knowing how things can work if i'm super careful like almost less is more to a point in the off season and then really i'm gonna have to apply what i learned from this podcast into food plots but still try to apply the same pressure um or, or lack of pressure um to the plots i really feel you know maybe not this year on the plots you know i might have success on them but i'm really thinking next year or the year after and learning how, because one of the properties I'm going on is brand new. So I don't actually know for sure until I spend some time on how deer are using it. But I feel like, uh, say, three years from now, um, I feel like I'm going to be seeing some rewards of um, homework put into it, of actually being there, uh, spy point, trail cam, you know, education, and big time education from learning like what, what works here in my piece and which little mini kill plot, if you will, what works in what area on that property. It takes years. It might take five years before I'm like, fuck, I think I feel good altogether, but you can't get there if you don't start putting the effort in starting right now and life happens, but, uh, you got You got to make an effort. There's not a lazy man's game to kill big deer. It's not easy. That's really what it boils no, Everybody down to. can get lucky, but um, yeah, they but can. It's, when you kill your target buck, very seldom is it luck. You know, you've yeah. put you've put your time in, and you've a lot of done time. your homework, and and what what it takes. Yeah. Um, but something that um, just looking at our list here, but I know we're going really long, but I think no, it's really you're important good, to bring up is, um, is weeds. Um, you know, because I think that a lot of guys have a lot of failure. Uh, with weeds and you know there are herbicides that you can spray and mowing helps and all that but 
where I'm going is, is to simply have an understanding that um, when you open up your ground, you know, we, we get calls like, man, I planted this stuff and it, you, you must have had a whole bag full of weeds. You know, that's because this is, you know, I've never seen this weed in my farm or in my area. It had to come out of your seat. Well, first of all, we can't legally do that. I mean, it, it's impossible. It can't happen. And, um, but, you know, you gotcha. Have, but you have to understand that, I mean, there are millions upon millions of weed seeds that are just laying dormant, waiting for their chance to grow. When you right. work ground, you're going to get all kinds of different oh, yeah. vegetation really? coming you, up. You hit me in. With a number one time, what was that? The, of the weed seeds laying dormant under. Oh God, I'm, I don't know. Surface. It was from, it was from an article or something. But I didn't know that. Oh yeah, millions. I mean, think just of, go think out and it, work a random piece of dirt and leave it alone and see what happens. Think about you will when, see vegetation that you've never seen. What the fuck is that? <laughs> really? Think about a stand. Oh, yeah. Think about a stand of timber that you, is mature and you can see up in you know under the canopy. And they go in there and select cut it. They, I mean, look at select cutting or look at hinge cutting. It's all about getting sunlight down on that forest floor, and as soon as it gets that sunlight, here come the briars, here come the you know the the you know whatever kind of saplings or whatever's down there. But um, you know something you know when we're talking about food plots here to, to understand is that all that weed seed is there looking for its opportunity. But um, when you go out there and break that ground and say, if you go out there with your disc and you just bury it and I'm going to break this, you know, ground up. If you go out there the next time and you bury it at the same level, you're going to be going a little bit deeper because you've already broken up that soil. So you're actually digging a little bit more, but every time the point is every time you break that soil up, you're bringing a whole new crop, right? Which is a very effective way. If you've got the time to, you know, work the seed bank down, if you will, if you, you know, to keep, you know, disc it, let it germ, disc it to kill it off, let it, you know, and so on and so on. But it takes time. And I mean, if you don't, most people don't have the time to do that. Um, but how, how um, many times would you say you would have to go over that to to kill it out to where it's not just popping right back up? I don't think you could put another we, on weeds that. Weeds are <laughs> persistent. Weeds are going to grow when nothing else grows. And what I, I like to do is go in and work it, let new growth come up, and then zap it with whatever chemical is going to be safe to use. And let that soil lock back up a little yep. bit. Because it's not – you've already broke the compaction up. And, you know, that is – to me, that's a better strategy too is to go in there and let that soil kind of crust over and kind of lock it back down. And then, But, but keep in mind, if you go back in there and open it, don't go as deep. Because you've got, you know, you don't need, you've already broken that hard pan up, so you don't need to go as deep for one, but just, you know, work that top layer so you're not just digging up, but so much of that weed seed so you can keep that at a, it's somewhat. I didn't realize a, it was that like resilient. It, it, oh, weeds are. Most people, I mean, it is a big world down there. I mean, I mean it makes it, sense when you, when you say it from like thinking from the past when we've like turned up dirt, it's like, you know, one, one piece of hunts, like the most thistly shit you've ever seen that used to be crop, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and that's something too. I mean, you know, um, to keep an well, eye on if the you, field we were on earlier, I mean, it was covered in cockleburs that they had just turned up this, yeah. this spring. I mean, there hadn't been, and those, and they had, and they were, it was in beans and they were way outgrowing. Well, it was, it was actually several fields and there were some native grass fields and, and, um, and bean fields and uh, not really that the corn per se, but 
Um, and it was way outgrowing the grass. It was outgrowing. I mean, but it, I mean, it's also been so wet over here that they haven't been able to get in. And spray they'll get in there and clean it up. Yeah, it'll mm -hmm. be clean. But, but um, you know, kind of that's kind of where I was going too. Is that you know, um, keeping your plot sprayed or keeping them mowed. You know, um, you you got to keep those plants from seeding out. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you put all this effort into not continuing to open up the dirt and working on the seed bank within, you know, you're going to get drift. You're going to, there's all kinds of ways that, that weed seed is going to get back over there, but do your job and don't let it go back to seed because you're just, you know, negating everything you're, you're trying to do. But all that being said, I mean, I just, you know, that is a very common plot failure is, is weeds and people and guys don't understand it. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they go out there and, you know, they, they literally think that it came in that bag of seed. Well, I, I mean, if you don't know, right. I mean, and, and it's not, you can't, it's not that they're dumb or anything. It's just a lack of education yeah, type piece. Right. And, um, but you know, but to, to the point of this is to get that, some of that knowledge out there to everybody. Right. So that they, they do know that, that if they see that happening, you know why. And, you know, we've mentioned a few ways to try to prevent that. Mm -hmm. We didn't put weed in your bag. Sorry. <laughs> I've got a question while we're on it, just real quick. So I've got a foundation clover plot started and it's coming up. I mean, you can see it's coming up nice, but I've, I've, been, I've been lazy. It's, it is, it's full of weeds. That's my, <laughs> that, this is my question. It's far away from home. So I don't get to go down there and mow it a lot. I went in with post and I sprayed it. So it killed all the grasses but I've got a bunch of broadleafs that are still way high. If I go in there and just keep mowing that thing off, eventually that clover is going to take over. And I would, especially on a broadleaf. Yeah. Especially on a broadleaf. I mean, or it gets yeah. thick enough where it won't let that broadleaf grow, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, what he's in, and, and what he's seeing growing right now are summer broadleafs. So right. if you keep it mowed down, you know, um, you're not going to shade out your foundation. You're not going to, you're not, your competition's going to be less. And, um, and then when you, you know, you, you, if you want to say limping along to winter, they're going to die off on their own. Right. And then. So don't know, give up on a plot. If it looks ugly right now, if you're seeing the desired species there that you planted. Yeah. I mean, don't give up on it yet. Back to what we, we mentioned that earlier, the fact that, you know, it's okay for your plot to have weeds in it. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be a carpet of whatever out there. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, you'd like to keep your weeds at, at at bay for you know for the obvious reasons of, of competition and so on but but no i mean you know go back in there and knock it down and i mean you know there's there's lots of guys that are dealing with that problem where they you know it's too wet to get in their plot when they're able That's to my or, problem. Or, or time yep. or you know or whatever but you 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 can't let that discourage you you know and um because you the plots are very resilient and you can clean them up pretty fast you can clean them up with Sometimes with just the mowing, sometimes with the mowing and hit it with herbicide, you know, a couple weeks later or whatever. Um, Do you have any herbicide you like to use, like when you're looking at a clover plot like that? Like I, I use post. Do you use anything other than post? I would say my favorite for grasses would be um, clethodum. Okay. Yeah. And the clethodum, I mean, that could come under various different names, but your active ingredient is going to be clethodum. Okay. Um, that would be my favorite. Um and um and then probably uh, imox is a very popular um herbicide and you know i think you can get that that knocks out brassicas and i mean not brassicas but broadleafs and some grasses 
And then um, for broadly specific, uh, 24B, as in butyrac, not 24D by itself. 24D will smoke everything. Right. But um, I, will say, I will say today we were, at a, we were at a farm, and they had tried to nuke um, a strip of foundation clover out so they could plant borderline in that spot. And he, it was a, he had sprayed a mixture of Roundup and 24D. Oof. And didn't get it? And it it was fighting its way back. So I was going to ask this. <laughs> Ross Bigger claims that you guys have a Roundup-resistant clover. He's like, dude, I nuked the shit out of this thing, and I could not kill that clover. I would never put my name on that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, it is, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. But, I mean, you do hear that from time to time that guys can, you know, some guys even recommend, I, I would never, you know, Roundup or, or glyphosate would be your active ingredient there would you know is a non-selective herbicide that means it's designed to kill whatever it gets on the screen yeah, right mm-hmm. so that being said you know there's guys that literally say oh a light rate light rate around a, or a glyphosate will knock it out but it, it might it might it might make your clover a little bit sick but but why what's the point of that when there are selective herbicides out there that aren't going to make it sick or mm-hmm, stun right. it or potentially kill it you know just um used to go that route so no i I wouldn't definitely wouldn't make that claim but uh, (laughs) hey if if it worked for you i'm i'm good for your luck i'd say you got lucky (laughs) i remember you telling me about ross say i forgot all about that he was trying to kill it he's like i was going to plant something different in there and i just went in there and roasted that thing he said it was that clover was still there (laughs) so he's just leaving it and that is the beauty of clover too i mean you see it on farm paths and it's a resilient it is yeah. Uh, plant. Yeah. I mean, be, you know, it's one of those things where you can go out there and nuke it on top. But I mean, you know, if it's ever gone to seed, it drops a pretty heavy seed burden mm-hmm. down, and you, know, you got it spreads by rot. There's so many ways that that plant's reproducing itself that it, it's tough to get completely, especially if it's right. been out there in in the field for a while. It's, it's not a tough. bad thing for a deer hunter. Absolutely not. No, definitely not. It, it's uh, most of my yard is uh, clover. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> That's why he got all the deer coming up in the yard. That's hey. what you're doing with all the foundation clover you're yeah. getting from. Hey, him. listen, I didn't say that. All right, there's no I'm, grass I'm, left. I dropped a bag. I, I, My bird feeder keeps spilling. Oops. Now I'm actually. Uh, I tore out a giant garden. I could have fed a small Amish community <laughs> with the garden I had, and it just was too big, like too too much to handle for my wife and I. So we tore everything out, and I'm getting ready to, like, I'm going to spray, kill the, what, what has grown in it as, of grass, and I'm going to till it up, and I'm uh, probably going to plant clover in it, to be honest. Do it. See, there you go. You had a garden in there that you fought to keep the weeds out of, and all you took your plants out, and all of a sudden it's full of grasses. Yeah. They were laying there the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's crazy. It's uh, So when we bought the house, the people that we bought it from were retired. And had nothing to do but garden. Like I literally think that they, that's all they would have been able to do. Like that's how extreme their garden was. And uh, we had a baby right off the rip when we moved in, and didn't have time to like manage it. And I just kind of let it rip, and it was like twelve foot tall, some crazy <laughs> shit. And I was like, sweet. So it's just kind of like it's a <laughs> it's a privacy fence. I you got your own know. screen there. Yeah, I, I live in the middle. <laughs> no, for the record, I don't have neighbors that are like staring at my weeds, which I wouldn't give a shit anyway because I'm trash. But um, <laughs> <laughs> by the yeah. way, I almost burnt my house down, burning all the weeds. 
Um, that was a fun story. For no, me. you almost blew your house up. You got around the propane tank pretty hot, and uh, I was getting scared. And, uh, you know, New Windsor Fire Department, shout out to you guys. You guys are the real MVPs. <laughs> um, that's a true story. Easter Sunday, baby. What's up? Boys came through. <laughs> yeah, the boys came through. I got them away from their in-laws. You're welcome. The boys. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, that's me. That's what. That's some things I went through in my life. <laughs> that's for that low-light session with that's Joe. That's why I hate yeah. ACDC. 21 has just been a real shit show. <laughs> Dude, it's not been my shit, man. Thunder, Thunderstruck was playing when that happened. That's why I hate ACDC. <laughs> I'm hoping archery season really turns this fucking year around. <laughs> I your, need your, it. Your new food plots, Will. I need it. I hope so. Dude, this has been a very educational episode for me. If nobody else got anything out of it, at least I did. This um, is one of those episodes you'll listen to like 84 yeah. times and still pick up on Get a rewind. I was slipping pages taking notes. I don't know if anybody else uh, noticed that, but um, this pencil needs sharpening. We need to put an old school <laughs> pencil sharpener here in the studio. I got one right here. Oh, there See, you go. It's old school as it gets. Yeah, it's a little rough. I think you sharpened this thing with your box blade there, but um, it's worked. But no, I, I love this episode. It was a ton of fun. I think it, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that get a lot out of it. I hope so. I think it'll make people more comfortable with the idea of, of getting a soil test and applying what it needs. Absolutely. Like it's not just because you got a soil test. It doesn't mean that you open your wallet deeper to do more. It really is going to put more money back in your wallet. Absolutely. Um, and I, I just, I think this is good. I think this is real good. I, I thank you so much for coming all the way out here. Uh, I'm sure you're like, what the fuck am I getting into when you get <laughs> in the studio? Yeah, um, I don't, we don't know what Joe told you, but. Especially when you walk in, we're at our... Uh, it, up pretty high. For the <laughs> prize! Yeah. Old fashions, we're at our bar that we have, like, right outside. That, that's our... No, dr- man, that's our belly belly you guys are drinking old fashions. I walk in with cheesy gordita crunches from Taco Bell, like, let's party, and Daryl's like, what the hell? <laughs> it was, well, I'm going to say you didn't bring us any. If you have a chance to be a guest and come in person, this is this is pretty slick studio. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We busted our ass last month. It's worth making the trip versus doing it via phone. It's more interactive. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. It makes for a better podcast. You know, This is your first podcast ever. It is. That surprises me because you're you like a natural. You did way better than Jackson because Jackson like <laughs> clammed up and hid in the corner. Hey. <laughs> well, you, you gotta, we're used to like everything a little bit, you know, and we're used to more people. Um, a lot of people shut down. Not that they shut down because they're like nervous, but I feel like there's like they don't feel like they can talk like they w- think they should or want to and that's what we want that makes our job easier and you just absolutely murdered it so well, i guess i'm quiet but uh i guess if you get me going it's you're passionate i talk too much and, yeah. <laughs> well that's what i mean we on the way over here i literally said this is like like not that i'm a huge howard stern fan but i respect the way that he well he's an OG. does his interviews yeah and but, but i, I see a lot of that fame. in you oh thank you I, I really do thank you and i'm not just kissing your ass here no, buy me a drink. Sounds later. like it. I'll buy you a drink, but Shut I mean, <laughs> drink but no, but I do, I do, I but do. I mean, you that. you have a way of, you know, just having the conversation and yeah. and opening up and making people feel comfortable. So yeah, well, it's our team. Joe is your Beetlejuice, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need no, to get that's totally. We need done. to get more live bands. Uh, in, yeah, we're gonna be like Howard Stern. Me. We need live bands and more like porn stars to like sit on weird things. <laughs> ACDC is gonna be the first band. <laughs> 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 
Shitty fucking music, dude. ACDC, get something better. It just keeps going. Come on. Metallica, where are you at? ACDC or Nickelback? Nickelback, dude. Fuck ACDC. Damn. Look at this photograph. Listen. Look at this photograph. I like both. I'll be honest. I chose Nickelback just to aggravate people. Um, both can jump off a cliff, for the record. <laughs> both can S&D. Next podcast, maybe podcast 500, we all sit down and talk about our top 10 bands. At the end. Yes. But Joe, I will say, Joe's gotta be here for I that. would much rather listen to 10 songs straight of Nickelback than ACDC. That's just me. I don't know if I could pick 10 Nickelback songs but I would listen I, to. I, I, Leader of Men. Here's the thing, Joe. Yeah. I have to, since we're at the end yeah. of like the educational part of this, you have to understand, like, if someone's like, Kurt, what music do you listen to? I can't just be like, I like country or I yeah. like rock. Like, He's diverse. I listen to the extremes of every genre. <laughs> yeah, you do. So like if I listen to country, I'm listening to like. Mostly classical. No, not even that. <laughs> classical like Beethoven? Yeah. <laughs> like if, if, if it's country, it's like the the real shit. If it's metal, it's like this guy worships Satan, even though I don't for the record, but you'd think I would. If I listen to rap, you'd think like I was some sort of gangbanger. Like I I just like the extremes of every genre. I'm with you. Because if I dive into a genre, like I want to know like I'm in that genre. If you listen to radio country, you're like, is this pop or is am I, is, is it country? Like Luke Bryan's kinda like it's a rap beat mm-hmm. with him singing about painting on blue jeans for kids that are in high school. It's weird. <laughs> It's is actually, it's awkward if you listen to it. Is, it is he down? Depending on blue jeans, down by the river, on the tailgate, and a bud light in my hand. It's the same <laughs> shit every country music song. <laughs> no, I know. It's pretty good, right? The shit fuck. <laughs> that was good. This, this went off the rails hard. Yeah, this, this took a turn. Got my piss poppers on and my hey dudes on <laughs> and I'm muddy down by the creek. Won't you get on down with the white tail buck? I'm sitting with Joe Umphreys on TikTok. Man, Damn, real right there. that was fucking jingle Ooh. right there. You like that? I'm going to drop that beat. Listen, dude, I'm not saying it, but... Why does everybody hate on my TikTok, man? Because <laughs> you're 40? <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> You're 40. Joe and I took offense to that. Yeah, I'm 39. I was going to make you a TikTok country song. You want me yeah, to quit taking videos of me sleeping. Hit me. Can I make it? I'm 40 years old. My life is washed up, and my wife and I are on TikTok. We take TikToks of our kids, and we're trying to say she's to fit in with the young crowd. That's accurate. You like that? That's accurate. That's accurate. <laughs> I actually love your TikToks, Joe, for the record. I know you do. I'm you, just ma- you like every one of them, fucker. I'm just mad that I'm not good at it like you. <laughs> I don't even have TikToks. So. You guys didn't know I was a country singer, did you? Did might, not. Might have a future. It, it, it was coming. pretty bad. That sounded more like ago. ACDC than a country song. <laughs> that that big saying. ass tree fell yeah, through our barn, and I'm like videoing. That's it. a country Jamie, song in itself. Jamie's right like, "You're gonna make a TikTok, aren't you?" I was like, "Damn right, I." Or <laughs> here, that that's a country hit on 103.7 or whatever the hell that's our station. A big ass tree fell through our barn. A big ass, yeah. the old oak got granddaddy through my barn. heart. Well, and it, <laughs> I mean, we were living a country song that day because my dad's out there in, like, you know, grandpa shorts and rubber boots with a chainsaw just going to town. Oh, dude, getting it. Uh, he was rocking. I mean, we needed you there. There's to be a song. Dude, that. if I would have been there, me and Rod would be fucking it up. Most dogs said this whole podcast. We need to hurry up and end this podcast yes. before it goes any deeper. Let's go. But uh, thank you, guys. This was fun. <laughs> this was a good time. 
appreciate it. I'm glad we had like this side of the table on the le- on my left was like except for Doug, full yep. of intelligence, uh-huh. and then Doug included on this side. So and pretty then- much just. Just you two. Just Darren. Just, I was trying to point fingers here, but yeah, you're exactly right. I knew what you were doing. <laughs> we, we knew what you were about. Should we close her out there? You guys got anything to like shut shut down? Where, where can people find, if they have quite food plot questions, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, as always, you know, you can go to bigtime.com. That little annoying messenger thing pops up. That goes right to me. Legitimately. Legitimately. Like, again, don't message me at 3 a.m. expecting me to answer you right then. Oh, I'm going to do it tonight. I'm doing too. I know you guys do all the time. I can see where it comes from. Oh. (laughs) I'm going to get a burner phone. What does that mean? There's no fun in that. Like, Doug literally drunk messaged me on big time. It's weird. (laughs) Well, I want fucking answers, dude. (laughs) This is when I think about it. You can get a hold of us there. I mean, you can... You know, Facebook Messenger, you know, we'll answer that. Instagram, send me a damn TikTok Messenger. And, you know, if it gets too detailed, you have very detailed plot questions. You know, I can get you in touch with Daryl. We're happy to help anybody. We'll, we'll get you going. That's what we're here for. Pictures help. Yeah, send some go. pictures. <laughs> oh, don't not, tell Doug that. Don't tell Doug that. Oh. <laughs> Easy. I love it. You guys are the best. It was This is great. Thank you awesome. so much. Thanks so much. Boys, anything? Anything? Nope. Had a great time, guys. Yep. Yeah, it was a good time. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you learned something. Hope you enjoyed this, even though uh, we're all idiots, uh, except for Daryl and, and Austin. And you know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.